on episode 19 of Pixel Gaiden. We talk of gnomes and evil things. Dustin makes his return to the podcast. Time for Mississippi Mud. Cody asks some hard yes or no questions. A bit of cocoa craziness. Cody talks import mods. Eric speaks fondly of the arcades. Six good sequels. And we get gifts. Your host, Eric Nelson and Cody Hoffman! Hey guys, we're back for the <laughs> second episode. I was trying to make that sound really cool. The second episode of September here. It's good I to got be back. A, it's good to be back, Eric. Feels good. Um, we took a little breather uh, for you guys. That was a two-week breather for us. It was a few minutes, but we got a lot of hot air to this room. Because uh, there's still three people in here, my boy Dash sixteen and or Dustin Neil. Dustin Neil. It's really hard. It's really hard to pronounce correctly. He's still here, Dustin. How are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> still pumped, even after this man fog has sapped the life out of you. I can't even notice it. It gets very warm in here. The and podcast we have, will wear you down. I can't turn the fan on because uh, you know what I'm going to have to get because you can hear the fan. Uh, we're gonna have to get one of those like Dyson air blades or whatever they're called. Yeah, there's yeah. no moving the parts. Circulators. So if uh, we can get a few more patrons to go ahead and donate money, we'll get a Dyson <laughs> air blade in here. <laughs> um, actually, Eric and I decided to quit our job. So if uh, you guys can just tell like a hundred of friends each to join Patreon, then we'll make this happen full time. We need to increase our listenership twenty fold. Twenty and have all of them on Patreon. It'd be patrons. The highest, That's right. The highest level. And give us free money so that we can do this full time. Until then, we'll just and, keep on keeping on. And you can keep living vicariously through us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hang out in some man-fogged room. All right. Let's go ahead and start ourselves with some quick questions. Quick questions. Boys, uh, the modern video game landscape is changing. This is more. This is a lot more deep than they usually wow. are. Uh, does that change the amount that you've noticed that you're willing to spend on games? Oh, it's mm. an interesting question. Mm. Um, is, the, is but I, I got a question myself. Is the game landscape responsible? No, only for one me? question. <laughs> is the game landscape responsible for me not spending as much money, or is it because I've been playing a lot more retro games, mainly because this podcast? Confucius say that belongs to you. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm going to say. I'm going to say yes, the game landscape is changing. I, 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 I think the games are so expensive nowadays that you have to be very selective with what games you choose to play. Yeah, I feel like um, it also makes sense to maybe wait a couple months until it drops price and then get it when it's on sale for like 50% off. Or to listen to reviews because I can't tell you. I mean, we've talked about it on the show many times, how I buy a game and I hate it after about two hours into the game. Yeah. And I just blew 60 bucks on it. For me, the issue is, first of all, AAA games are getting so big. I don't. It's not necessarily the price. It's they're so big, I don't have time for them, and I prefer small indie games. Yeah. But then those don't come out physical, and therefore, I'm not going to pay full price for a digital game, because that just doesn't sit well with me. Right. But now I'm also starting to 
become very gun shy for physical games because they don't mean anything because if I get them to put them on my system, they don't work right unless I download the new patch off the internet. Right. So basically everything's digital now and I'm not going to pay full price for a digital game. Yeah. I'm my mentality now is honestly and I'm not doing this on purpose is if it comes out great, I'll wait until it's on super sale for 10 or less bucks. Like the cuz I don't own it, so I don't if I have no ownership of it, I'm not going to pay for it. Yep. And the only thing I'd add to that is small indie games but also like arcade quick arcade games where you're in and out. You yeah. know what I mean? That's that's all I I only have mind room for that these days. Like a Red Dead Redemption, I just don't have time for that. Who's got time for that? Not me, exactly. Justin. I do. <laughs> Dustin has time. I, I, I play games differently. <laughs> well, yeah, you're going to get to that too. Actually, this might be a good segue. Go for it. Um, so this is just kind of an observation that I've had in listening to you guys talk about video games and kind of comparing it to how I play games. Um, and I kind of summed it up as uh, breadth like um, versus depth. So covering a Eric wide, is very breadthy. Covering covering a wide uh, base of, of different games, kind of. Uh, the world I, is I, a smorgasbord, Dustin. I want to try it all. A less kind way of saying is like quantity over quality, and it's not necessarily that. It's but uh, I tend to focus a lot more on a specific title and spending a lot more time on that. Hundred percenting a game isn't enough for me. See, we've talked about this where that is a great way to play games. Unless you're a podcaster, <laughs> because you can't. We can't spend, you know, oh, how many hours would we spend? Fourteen hours on this podcast, like talking about multiple games. Fourteen, 14 hours? hours? It's about fourteen, right? Yeah, yeah, thirteen. I don't know. Much more than that, I would think. Yeah, but exactly. okay. No, but I mean, it, it, we got to talk about many games. Like yeah. a lot of different topics. But you, yeah. even before the podcast, you've you always been a uh, play a ten games, twenty games a month kind of guy. Yeah. And yep. I've always been somewhere in the middle. I'm maybe three to six, but I want to beat them, and I can't move past them until I beat them. Whereas Destin, you're a whole different level like of you're like one on the other two. end. Yeah, like one I, or two I, a I year. On, no, well, maybe maybe uh, lately yes, but but see that then you're getting your sixty bucks worth, right? But I mean, it takes me ten years to beat Burnout Three, <laughs> like we talked about on the last episode. Right. I mean, yeah, that, little nibbles. You just get, you put it back in the pantry and then come back and nibble on it later. And that's why I appreciate a good save system in a game. There you go. Right? Yeah. So I mean, like for example, look at uh, Super Mario Galaxy. Um, I got every single star in that game. Oh, nice. hundred percent of both the Mario and Luigi stars. I, I, you know, I demolished that game. I completely tore it down. So did you do the uh, Breath of the Wild? Oh yeah. Oh wow! So I, I own that. I haven't started it because I'm afraid. Because so, I am, I am also a completionist. But that's also why I veer away from there, big games because I don't want to have to put the, that time in. I know I will. The thing that makes my my playstyle difficult in more recent times is they're adding so much more to games. There's, like in Breath of the Wild, for instance, there's like 800 Korok seeds to find. I did not find 800 Korok seeds. That's madness. Like I'm not going to like put that level of detail into it but like in assassin's creed 2 i collected every single feather in that game which is just like mind-boggling it was it was a task yeah my son loved that game um and so at that point do you enjoy it <sighs> be real <laughs> it does it does become a uh, a chore then like there was like when i was doing the the super mario galaxy all of the stars there were definitely times where I was hate playing the game, um, but it was it was a, a task like it was a task that I like a a, a goal that I set for myself that I, I stake in the achieve. sand, right? Um, and so uh, with with other games uh, in the more recent history, like um, I've been playing because they've been 
kind of in the uh, constant development uh, where the game is never done, right? You look at Minecraft. Right. You know, that game came out 12 years ago. Well, no one plays it as a game anymore anyways. Oh, I do. Do you? I play survival mode. I don't, I don't do creative at all. I think you're the one. I, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> the only one. I've got friends that I play with that are, that are the same. But, um, yeah, I mean, so the the game is constantly being, constantly being iterated and developed and added on, so they're always adding new things to it. So that's kind of what keeps me playing games is uh, kind of following along and um, seeing the game change over time and and can you know it, well, it a good keeps ex- it fresh a good example is fallout 76 which you've which i heard terrible things about and then you're actually one of two friends of mine who play that exclusively now yeah i i'm a big fan of the fallout series and uh, i love i played fallout starting, 3 starting from fallout 1 you know i played all the way from yeah. back to from the beginning all the way up up, up to fallout 4 and and that's 76. legitimately retro by the way fallout, yeah. fallout 1 and 2 <laughs> yes they are uh, so yeah, Fallout 76, I have been playing almost exclusively since launch. Um, you even and, played it through all the crap that they went through, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. No. And it's, Did you have the same frustrations and you just kept playing anyways? So some of the criticism is fair that the game is buggy. Like there are issues with the game. But uh, I think there was a lot of bad negative press at the beginning that kind of killed it. But uh, Bethesda's uh, dedication to the game and evolving it and changing it over time is apparent in what they've done with it. And I'm excited to, to see where it goes. Like, I have taken a break in more recent time uh, to kind of put it on the back burner. I'll come back to it in a couple months. But um, I feel fresh again. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. Yeah. Eric, you got the next question. Yes, I do. I love the way you put this one. It was very specific. <clears throat> very whimsical. I, I, I actually, when I first wrote this, I named the gnome, but I decided <laughs> it was too much. I did. But I, I'm not going to say his name. That's awesome. To say his name will may bring him into reality. You have to guess his name three times. Three, three times? Yeah. yeah. I, want, I want to hear his name off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, an evil gnome appears and says you have to pick either 8-bit or 16-bit games to completely eradicate from the planet. Which do you choose? That's an easy one for me. I, I It's easy for me, too, but I think Dustin and I are different. I'm going to say 8-bit. I'm going to say 16 Okay, so that's exactly eight, what I thought. So would. you eradicate all eight bit games? I would, yeah. So all your Commodore games are gone. Everything, yeah. okay. And for you, I said I would have to get rid of. It would be hard. I love all the games, but yeah. I have to get rid of sixteen. The gameplay on the eight bit games and the sixteen bit games is very similar. Yeah, it's typically a graphic thing, and mm-hmm. there's a whole lot more eight bit games. I, and I'm going to have to. Pick so it's literally eight. just quantity. I'd have to pick eight bit because I'm nostalgia Commodore. for Commodore stuff because that's the my bread and butter and what I grew up with. But also, I like the Nintendo and I like the Master System. Yeah, you know, I like those games a lot. The Atari eight hundred and and see the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. I mean, if I had to, I could live without those and the Amiga and stuff. But I wouldn't want to. I love them all like you do. But... The Turbo Graphics I would fight is an eight bit system in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that exactly. I, the, I, the Amiga is sixteen bit. I definitely the think that, is 16-bit. I think that nostalgia has a lot to do with my answer, but when I think about it more... Super I, Metroid. Yeah, well, yeah, I can't kill off Super Metroid, <laughs> but like, you look at um, Mega Man versus Mega Man X. I like Mega Man X games better than I like Mega Man games. Sorry. I see, and I prefer Mega Man, so... <laughs> They're both great, but... Yep. I like the added mechanics of wall climbing and dashing. Have you played and, X3? Oh, yeah. Let's think of all those computers we like the MSX. Yeah, you know, that, that would disappear. I'll, if you I'll be honest, you're a lot to blame for this, Eric. It's the <laughs> fact that I have a lot of eight bit on the wall behind me here, and I'm adding to it. We'll get to that also, but yeah. All right, cool. my last one here. Okay, I have a quick question. Okay. This yeah. one's so 
I want to go ahead and make sure all of our listeners hate us all. Okay. So this next segment is a yes or no quick questions. Okay. I'm going to mention yes some or words. Yes or no only, right? And you can only say yes or no. No explanation. We're going to get through this quick. Okay. And, and people will hate us all equally, I'm sure. All right. So are we just going to go around? The, Dustin will answer first. I'll okay. go second. Dustin. Yeah, there we go. Dustin, Eric, Cody, in that order. Yep. <clears throat> Anime. Yes. Yes. No. J-pop. No. 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 Pokemon. No. Yes. No. <laughs> Rock band. Rock band? Like the game? I said no chalky! <laughs> yes. Rock band. Yes. Yes. No. Mm, I want to say stuff. Watching streams. No. 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 Speedruns. Yes. No. No. In television. No. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> you can't put a question mark uh, in your yes voice. Yes or no? <laughs> no. No. Uh, yes. <sighs> no. It's funny because I want to justify things, but... <laughs> I can't, no, the answer is no. iPhone. Yes. No. Yes. There we go. That was a That's quick. It? Yeah. That's it. All right. That's all we can say I about like that. that. That that needs to come back. That's a good. That's I hate good you all. <laughs> that's good. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. We gotta get. We gotta do beer soon. Yeah. Let's go ahead and crack a beer. Um, while we crack beer, actually, we need to talk about this one. We do need to talk about. So this one. yesterday, Cody screwed everything up. As I tried to plan, you know, I can get Eric and I in a room together once a month, and I do a decent job of making that happen. When I try to throw a third person in the mix, I screw everything up. <laughs> and anyways, Eric and I were ready to record yesterday, but I had told Dustin we were doing it Tuesday, and it didn't work. So Eric and I just hung out for the day, which was fun. Yeah, I came over to do the podcast, but I was like, there's no podcast happening, so let's just play games. We ended up uh, playing a lot of Neo Turf Masters. Which was awesome. We played like two hours solid of that. That was the highlight. I that have was... to say, I liked it better than the next thing we did. Well, and it, So we can just say that now. We went ahead and popped on the Switch and played on the... Uh, I have the uh, Capcom Generations beat-em-up. Yep. Uh, not Generations, Capcom. And it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but Neo, it's hard to beat Neo Turf Masters. It was fun. When you were exhausted, I could tell you weren't saying a thing. My wife actually had to text me from the other room and tell me to shut up because she can hear me laughing through the windows. And she's like, the neighbors are trying to sleep. It's 10 o'clock. Um, so we ended up playing, uh, what was the name of the game? The Battle beat, Circuit. Battle Circuit, which is this over-the-top game that's on the Capcom uh, beat-em-up collection um, where you can be a girl on a pink ostrich fighting Just people. all sorts of weird stuff. Um, yeah. I end up liking the stretchy guy, the really tall, stretchy guy the best. You were a Captain Commando, I think. The, was, blue, the blue guy. I don't know what his yeah, deal was, but yeah, it was fun. Yep. And we just kept saying at you know it was ten o'clock at night. We'd already been drinking a little bit and having fun. We were tired, and uh, we started saying all kinds of inappropriate things about the uh, fight fighting mechanics we were doing. There was babies in robot suits, and it was a weird game. It, yeah. it was a very strange game and very um, good fodder for. It was fun though. For, it was like watching a bad horror movie. Yeah, it was fun, but that that kind of t- touched on what we were saying on the last episode, uh, which is it's kind of fun to do once. Definitely, I would never do that by myself. Yeah. But to coin feed a game to win it. Yeah. Because we just died constantly, and I don't think there's a way you can we, win that game. we did beat it. If somebody can one coin credit one of those games, I, that, that, I don't... got to tip their hat to, to them, because that's almost impossible. I don't think there's a skillful way. I mean, the way it's programmed is yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. I was about ready to throw in the towel. Like, I was so tired, and I just wanted to go to bed. But then 
it, then the game ended. Well, you go to bed early. I do. I go to bed every night at midnight or later. So. I go to bed at eight thirty. I, I want to be in bed by eight thirty every well, night. Well, you are already an hour and a half past bedtime, or we're just right. starting our show. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Right. Um, so, anyways, you're like, well, you know what? I brought this beer for us to have, anyways, and you pulled out a jug of Mississippi mud. Mississippi mud, and I and, have a little story about this. So, well, and I started laughing heartily. Yeah, you did because you were going to bring that. To I have the, the exact same bottle well. in my fridge. Yep. And so now we have two bottles here to enjoy, but we we had Which some yesterday. Split it. Um, but I kept seeing this Mississippi mud, black and tan, on the shelf at like uh, Total Wine, I think, and I kept seeing it, and it was like for three three dollars and forty nine cents. I was oh, like, wow. wow, this big giant bottle, yeah. that's got to be garbage. That's got to be hot garbage, right? So on a whim, I told my wife, I'm just going to buy it. I want to try yeah. it. I, it's got, it looks like it's in a moonshine jug. Right. I'll take a picture of this. In fact, I'm going to do it right now so we can Ooh, post it. Ooh, we're going to get some, some audio and video of this episode. Um, so I uh, I bought it, and so I, spoiler alert, I've already had this, but. As it, have I. It's a great beer. It's great. It's a black and tan mixed in a bottle. It's not, I mean, black and tan is supposed to be separate. I used to make them in a bar when we went to, to college. And we'd made it with bass, would be the tan. Mm-hmm. And then you had a special spoon for the Guinness that for you hang over the top. Yep. And put the Guinness on the top so that you'd see a, a separation between the two. I, I used I've to do the same. Tan. Well, this, I mean, this is called a black and tan. It doesn't taste like a black and tan. No. Um, but it's a, so just this still a has good some brownish there. beer. If you guys want to top off, I'm going to put this right here, like, yeah. as, you're, as we're podcasting. So, so I already have this. I already know how to give it a rating scale. Dustin, well, first of all, let's cheers. cheers. Let's do this correctly. And uh, Justin, after you take that sip, go ahead and uh, out of five uh, malty beverages, what do you rate this bad boy? That's a four out of five. Hmm. A man can make up his mind. That was okay. quick. I think I'd give it the same. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, this isn't the best beer I've ever had, but for $3.49. Yeah, I can't cents, go wrong. And honestly, the way I usually do this, I told you this I yesterday. I like stouts, so. Yeah. The way I usually do this is I just take the cap off and drink it right out of the jug. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like two and a half beers, but that's that'll just be my drink for the night. I'll, right. It's and for three and a half bucks, why not? So let me read this. It says Mississippi Mud, famous slow brewed black and tan porter and pilsner beer. Yeah. There you go. And it's it's all glass, but it totally looks like an old bottle inside of like a wooden like an old moonshine container. bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm really happy that I finally bought it. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Cool. Um, so it's a great beer. So gonna, yeah, we'll four to five. What up. did you give it? I'm right there, four out of five. Oh. I think we we all agree. Wow! Yay! Um, so, I wanted to bring up. Uh, what were you going to say? Yes, we should announce our Patreons. Oh yeah, people, which please, we please do, do. every episode. So our our Patreon is at patreon.com/slash/pixelguiden, um, and these are our. What do we call them? Patrons. Contributors? Patrons? Yeah. Patrons. Our financial supporters yeah. for our beer habit. So, Tim Drew, Jim Tessier, Heinrich Ladefagad, Roy Fielding, Gary Heather, and Dustin Newell. Thank you, guys. And, um, yeah, Dustin, you bought this. You basically bought this beer for me, so appreciate it. That works, <laughs> that yes. works well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I wanted to go over again really quick. Last time we caught up with uh, Justin. I keep saying Justin for some reason. Justin. <laughs> I've only known you for nine, ten years or something. Um, and I wanted to go back to uh, the man who... I did some radio in college. 
But I never did a podcast until I met Dustin Newell. Um, and it was funny because he, he took over his buddy's podcast while he went to the military, I believe. Yeah, he's in the Army, and he was doing a, a officer's course, like going to class or school or something. To... And the show's still on, right? He hasn't done it in a couple of years. It's, oh, it's all, that's a no. It's on hiatus. Yes or no answers he's, only. He's more show's st- still on, right? He's more no. Into, he's more into streaming, like Twitch. and Ah, which we all just shot down. Right. Boom! <laughs> Um, so anyways, Dustin took it over for a while and he had me on the show and it was, it was fun because the show had no format to my, not to my knowledge. It was just do whatever we're going to do. This is the part, Dustin, where Eric takes a picture and we act like we're talking, having fun, that right. he's not taking a picture of yeah. us. Great. Act well, natural. I am acting natural. Can you just take the freaking picture? Oh, oh wait. we like to take sips and look at each other romantically. So dreamy. <laughs> so dreamy. Okay. Um, there we go. Eric took the picture. Nonetheless, he had me on the show, and uh, I brought. I remember bringing some scotch, mm-hmm. um, which was very strong. I remember it, yep. it was a lot to take. Tasted like a campfire. I love it. I love it. But a lot of people don't, which I knew would happen, which is why I wanted to bring it for you. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, he liked to always bring weird things that we'd eat on the show. So, yeah, the, the format of the show, or at least one of the segments on the show, was we would, uh, uh, re- we would taste and review just weird things to eat i'm just glad i didn't get there on blue night uh we, yeah, we never did that but uh blue is a is talking, vietnamese uh, is it vietnamese i think so yeah specialty where it's a half half is a, is a duck egg right that's, that's <laughs> where going the, through like, which, it's like there's a half a duck in there yolk to, to duck yeah i did not eat that so you know we didn't we never ate that but we have eaten dog food and cat food i did not eat that either the jelly belly uh birdie bots every flavor oh yeah yeah and all kinds of weird stuff. See, um, I could do all that. And it's we when were... it gets into weird, fishy, gross stuff. I Like I... a duck? Like a duck egg? I think it, I with a duck egg. inside of it. Like a living, not living, obviously, but like a half-formed duck. You, you actually chew bone? Yeah, I probably wouldn't. No, it was, I, I yeah. wouldn't do that one. Dog yeah. food was pretty bad. I would assume that was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. But you ended up giving me gelatinous mutant coconut. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember what it was, but yeah. You know no, it's it's been it's been a while. We but. did like three things, but that was one of them: gelatinous yeah. mutant coconut. <laughs> right, and it wasn't bad. It actually tasted all right. Yeah. It's just a weird texture. Right. Anyways, um, but then also uh, on their show, they always use their handles or I don't know if you call them handles, yeah, yeah, screen ga- names, gaming handles from your right. game. And I didn't have one. Right. So the show t- started with a song, and that, and then Dustin <laughs> just stared at me while I was like, "What? Why are you staring at me?" He's like, "Do you get the joke?" <laughs> and I was listening to it and finally clicked. I'm like, ah, a horse with no name. <laughs> so we were trying to make a, a handle. Up. Then again, it, it ended up uh, sticking with oddball. Right. 49 with two ones. ODDBA1149. That is my Twitter handle. <laughs> I'm going full circle here. Eric is the project at the project. And uh, Dustin here on Twitter is dash 16. Do you have What else do you use besides Twitter? Um, if people do want to. Just mo- mostly Twitter. I think I'm on Instagram as well. Um, Dash 16, I think DN, I think Dash 16 was taken. Yeah. But, um, D-A-S-H-1-6. Yeah. And, of course, if you guys want to send us an email, we'd really appreciate that. Podcast at pixelguiden.com. Ah, I think it's time for us to move into catching up, right? Yeah. Is that the next part of the show? Exciting. All right, let's do that. Catching up with Eric and Cody. Dustin, name the game. What's that song from? Oh, the game. Oh, I don't know. Eric, you got I this. I have no idea. Really? Oh, that surprises me. No, I don't know. I recognize a lot of your music is from Metroid, Super Metroid. Yeah, it is like Mega Man. That's from Cannon Fodder. 
Boom, oh, doom, I should have known doom, that. Yeah, that's, that's why it's surprising. Yeah, absolutely. How did I not know that? Yeah. Anywho. All right. Um, I am finally a subscriber to Retro Gamer Magazine. Yay! Yay! Oh, applause. Yeah. If you remember before, they had some deals that they just didn't offer in the U.S., and they came out with the deal, and it might still be available if you guys are listening to this. I don't know. Um, we'll give... It was five months for five bucks. That's a pretty good deal. And then, of course, after that, you start paying you, full subscription price. But And you're sure that that's activated for you here in the I U.S.? I got it confirmed in everything. All right. Good so for you. So I will start getting my epi- my uh, issue in excuse me, October. That's cool. cool. Yeah. I still do I the, love the magazine. It's so good. I love the magazine, but I do like my ritual of going into the bookstore, which, you know, yeah. our, our kids will never know what a bookstore is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I go into the bookstore and it's still on the shelf and I grab it every month. It's one thing I go and look for. So. Yep. You know, they're coming back. Amazon's putting out physical stores where you can buy books. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I saw one in... Um... <laughs> After they kill off... Gosh, darn it. kill all the bookstores. And then... That is terrible yeah, news. It's... That's I... like rubbing it in their face. Yeah. Like, hey, you know how we destroyed you? Yeah, we'll trade brick and mortar. Why not? So you, We're going to succeed. You talked Amazon. about going to New York like last time. When yeah. I was in New York last... They ha- I went into an Amazon, yeah. an Amazon oh, really? brick and mortar. Yeah, we were on the way to the Empire State Building. It's really close to the Empire State. Do Building. they still do the like the trucks that go around and have like Amazon like oh, the hotspots or the, whatever they call? Yeah, the gold treasure box or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that, but I I know that I've I've gone into one and it's like a little bookstore that doesn't have a lot of books. Like it really yeah. didn't have that much stuff in it. That's yeah, it's very kind of sparse looking and modern, postmodern or whatever yeah. you call it. Postmodern. I did not like it. So, anyway. Gotcha. So what is next here? Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance. That's so that's we were just talking the GameCube about, one. We were just talking about GameCube. So after I modded my GameCube, which you can listen to on episode what was it, sixteen or seventeen? Forget which one we. We're talked gonna about start that. taking notes. I know. <laughs> Uh, we need an intern to take all these notes. Go back and listen to all of our and index all of our episodes. Eric, I was just thinking, um, Dustin's right here. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't know. Well, I don't know. maybe he wants to do some we, we for can, beer. We can negotiate my rate. <laughs> there you go. Um, but so, you know, I modded it, and now I can burn because this game right here is hundred bucks easily. Like if you go and try to oh, buy yeah. this game, well, Fire any GameCube game, games, yeah. But this one is particularly rare even for gamecube games um and i have the real edition i gave it to somebody because i wasn't in the gamecube at the time stupid (laughs) is that too intense it was one of those stupid (laughs) i actually bought this game on gamestop like on uh their online website um and i bought it for 40 bucks and back then it was even 40 bucks for a gamecube game but anyway so i always wanted to play it through so i burned a copy on the little tiny discs and I've been playing it. I'm eight and a half hours into it now. Wow, in and a I, month? Yep. It's and pretty I, good for you, Eric. It is pretty good. And I, I think the game's only like 15 hours long total. But it is like a very cool Fire Emblem game. If you're I really want to start one. Fire Emblem games. Because this doesn't get into too much of like the inventory system and um, details. It's just turn-based strategy. So... I'm about eight and a half hours, and I'm loving every minute of it. It is a fantastic GameCube game. Even the cutscenes, which I hate cutscenes in a game. I think a game should be a game, not a movie. But even the cutscenes are pretty interesting. Um, I've only, like, you know, gone through, like, aborted, like, half of them. (laughs) Um, 
but it's a good it, it, it's a great game so uh, i'm enjoying it quite a bit um so yeah i've been looking at the new fire emblem yeah. on switch three and houses it's, it's been like people have been getting absorbed in that game they haven't played anything else like, yep. i've heard of that a lot i've heard it a lot i've too. heard it's like the best one and it's the most accessible and that's probably where i'm going to start getting a, it's getting great reviews and um i've heard nothing but good things about it very cool i just want to touch back really quick we were talking about amazon mm-hmm. making physical stores uh sorry if this hurts anybody's feelings but i am excited that uh it sounds like gamestop is starting to go under <laughs> I mean, that's yeah i don't want to see anyone get lose you know their jobs and stuff nobody like that, that but... works at gamestop wants to i'm sorry i mean <laughs> it's like they're well known for treating their employees like crap well i'm treating their customers like crap too. Oh, yeah. i mean i i listen we both we've all had kind of nice adventures at gamestop here and there but adventures the where we battled off employees and yeah the waded gl- through piles of overpriced garbage and it wasn't games and i i never liked the way they do pre-orders i've never liked the fact that they take a beautiful used game put stickers all over it i can't take off and they give you pennies for it yeah pennies for it um i i I wish there was something to replace it though because there is that's that's the beauty for me what is it local game stores they, they can survive now if GameStop's not there. Do you think so? I do. Because there's only one in Elk Grove, but I mean, there's only in total... So three GameStops here. In Sacramento, yeah. in Sacramento in total, though, there's only like... Four or five. There's four, I think. Yeah. Because I, I drive by them all the time to try to how many times? How many times have you thought, I'm going to go get a new game, let me head down to the local game store and buy one? Well, I buy... Yeah. I mean, right, I buy... You don't. I buy them at Target, but people buy <laughs> exactly, and but and that's yeah. partly because they can't carry them because if they they have to buy in like bulk, they have to buy twenty five or more of each game. They that's can't because they're not going to sell that many, right? So they can't carry the new stuff because GameStop, yeah, and Target and those too. But if GameStop goes away, now they can actually supply gamers with new games. Yeah, I I would love for that to happen. I'd love to come, you know, see small franchises of eight or ten stores pop back. Or... I think they do treat their customers better, which I agree. Oh with. yeah. I mean, I just hate to see people lose lose their jobs at all. Yeah, but another shout out to Legacy Toys and Games here in Elk Grove. That's right. Um, Absolutely. Where I got my last Nintendo DS, and I actually told you about that place because they had a couple there. Ha- have you been to Have you been to Legacy Toys I, and I Games? I need to check it out. We go over there to eat all the time, and I just uh, it's haven't... a it's a nice place. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, they it's have a small little store. I mean, it's... it's a small little store, but I mean, the the people there are really nice. Mm-hmm. I always go in there and have have you know half hour conversation with them while I'm in there, and I I do try to purchase something every time I go in there. I probably every other time, realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's about right. After I got my Odyssey 2 and my uh, my DS I just got, I got um, my, some PlayStation controllers and stuff, yeah. Um, I finally, last time I was talking to you guys, I was in the middle of like three games. Mm-hmm. I finished Riddled Corpses EX. Cool. I haven't finished that one yet. Uh, I haven't even played it since last time my son and I played together. Yeah. Because it's now, a great multiplayer game. You get to level four and you have to really grind on that level. Yeah. But you pretty much have to unlock every character and every feature to beat the game. Okay. But it... I had a blast doing it. I mean, it's funny because it's one of those games where as soon as I beat it, I started, like, playing it again. <laughs> like, so, me, like me with Burnout, yeah. Yeah, you kind of get, like, a new character yeah. for, for beating it, and you're like, all right, let's try this new character. And then you end up, like, playing half the game again before you're like, why am I doing this? I just beat the game, but, like, you just keep going. Uh, great I game. I do love it. It's a great twin-stick game, which I appreciate. Arena shooter. 
Arena shooter, yep. I also beat Cosmic Star Heroine. Wow! Yep. Two, two games. Uh-huh. Wow, look at you. Well, I was really close last time we talked, so I made sure we went on a, a weekend trip. I'm not going to call it a full vacation. And I brought the Switch with me, and I'm like, I'm going to beat these two games. And sure enough, I did. Look at you. That is all there is to it. Look at you. I was, was going to try to beat Borderlands 2. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they got to this one mission that you don't have to do. You don't have to do every mission. But it just was, for some reason, it just was kind of... Ugh, monotonous. I don't yeah. know. And I just kind of got stuck there, and I didn't want to not beat it, but I didn't want to play it. That's so I just kind of stopped on it. So yeah, I pulled an Eric. Yeah, basically good, good for you. <laughs> I pulled an Eric. Life's too short. To... Life's too short to play Borderlands two all the way through in one in one go. Exactly. Uh, this is interesting. I'll start with this because even though this is your topic, I'll start with it because okay. Uh, I went to play the aforementioned Vic Nibbler. Yes, which we talked about in the in the previous episode, episode eighteen. In episode 18 of Pixel Gaiden Podcast. And a uh, fun little Vic-20 game. But as I was trying to get my cart, the penultimate cart in there and everything and turn it on, mm-hmm. all of a sudden my TV started doing some funny things, made some sound, and all of a sudden my Vic turned off. And now I can't, I couldn't get it back on. And I was like, shoot, I fried something, something's bad, whatever. And so first thing I do is write Eric and basically sob into my text. <laughs> and you're like, that yeah. used to happen to me when I was a kid, when I put the cartridge in wrong. My dad was, I think you said your dad got on yep. and putting the cartridge in He was an electrician. He was an actual electrician. Yeah. Mm. An actual one. <laughs> well, I mean, we're amateurs. We're, we're rote amateurs. But my dad was an actual electrician. And so if you don't line up the cartridge right, you're obviously shorting one of the contacts on the cartridge with a, probably a power pin. Yeah. And yeah, so Send go ahead. Something to so I, want, I want you to. So, anyways, you basically story. said usually I had to put a new fuse in and fix it. So, sure yeah. enough, I opened the Vic up, checked the fuse, and it is blown. Yeah. So, I had to hop on the internet, and you can't just buy one of these things because it's like $5, but you can buy 25 of them for like $3. Yeah. So, so I have a huge pack. So, if you guys have any Vicks that pop a fuse, I've got fuses. Um, and sure enough, it worked just fine. And I reset Beautiful. my cartridge, and I'm going to be very cautious about how I set my cartridge from now on. But then. You let me know that your VIC-20 stopped yeah, working. Yeah, so my VIC-20. So as you know, like, <clears throat> I gave you my VIC-20, and then I gave you the power supply that went with it. Is that right? Uh, that you did. Yeah. No, and that's great. But <laughs> my challenge to myself my challenge to myself was, like, I'm going to just get it about build another power supply for my VIC-20. I mean, it, our, ours are the older VIC-20, so they're two-prong, nine-volt, pretty simple power supply. But you have the really cool keys on yours. Yeah. Here, fill yours up with this one, too. All right. So anyway, I, my Vic 20. So finally I got off my butt and I was like, I'm going to build this power supply. So I go and I build it and it's pretty simple on the internet. They explain how to do it. Um, you could basically just take a wall wart, like a typical modern wall wart kind of, you know, power supply. That's nine volt, three amps is that's the minimum it needs to be. I get one of those. I, I, I build this adapter for it that goes into the two-prong connector in the VIC. Connect it all up, boot up my VIC-20. Works like a charm. Works perfectly. Like, I see the VIC-20 screen. Yay! Eric, fix it. 100%. Perfect. No. So, well, exactly. So, it does boot up, and I can type stuff. And... Oh, they're all making fun of you, Eric. <laughs> So it all works fine, but the minute I put a cartridge in it, that kind of voltage load for the cartridge, it just doesn't work. Like, the VIC just doesn't work. So I thought something else was wrong with my VIC. So yesterday, I brought it over to Cody. I asked to borrow my old power supply, plug it in, and it works fine. 
So I just need to figure out what I'm doing wrong with the power supply. And so it'll be, this will be on the next episode of Pixel Guy, and I'll explain what I did wrong. But it's a very I simple honestly, power supply. I know supply. you keep saying that everyone agrees that DC in there works fine, even though the original one's AC. That just seems weird to me. But it works. I mean, you saw it. It works, it but not for everything. Yeah. So like I, I said, maybe it's only powering the DC side of that, because there's two voltages in there that the Vic creates. Yeah, inside of it, it creates. There's a five volt. There's a five volt DC, DC. and then there's yep. a. But the regulators nine, inside AC. The, our old Vicks are a little different. They have a lot of the power supply circuitry actually in the Vic twenty itself, where Correct. like Commodore sixty four has none of it. It's all in the in the brick in yeah. the power supply. So I just got to figure out what I did wrong. Uh, everybody online says this should work, and people have done it, and it works. And it's worked just when you added yep. peripherals. Added anything it else? Said, nope, yep. not enough. So I've got a few things in the fire. I, I ordered another power supply that has more amperage. So I'm hoping that if when you add additional things, it'll cover it. Blah, blah, blah. We'll see. We'll yep. see what happens next. Well, I also opened up a computer and tried to kill myself. Oh. Um, <laughs> if you remember, I got that huge Mac. Uh, <laughs> I caught a huge Mac load a few uh, months ago. Oh, wow. If you remember. and um, <laughs> Keep this G- G-rated. Uh, don't think too much into that. And I got a Macintosh 2 as part of that from a local school. Yeah. Which, by the way, I went back to the other day because we're still doing the project there. And yeah. all the Macs I didn't take are gone. They I mean, they must have trashed them. I think they went to the recycle center. So now uh, I feel bad I didn't take all the iMacs and other stuff they had up there. I would have loved them. I, Dang I took it. I took everything that I thought they were willing to let me take. I love... I would have taken any... And from now on... It was on, all the modern stuff. It was all the modern... Everything... I took everything from the Apple II, which was their oldest... All the way up to the first MacBooks, and then after that was iMac and up. And I oh, and then I took the Newton. Yeah. So everything newer than that was what was what I left basically. So yeah. all the kind of white and turquoise plastic stuff. Anyways, it it's gone. Um, but the Mac Two, when I used it, <clears throat> it worked beautifully. Except it was funny because the font size for the system was huge. So whoever used that last, which is funny also, because they left a bunch of files on there about Boy Scouts. So I could see, like, this, I'm not going to name names. But I could see the guy's, like, address and stuff and all the addresses of all the Boy Scouts. This sounds yeah. really creepy. All the Boy Scouts <laughs> on their, you know, their next trip and, like, what you're going to bring. And they made a list of everything. But they're in huge, like, 24-point font so they could read it. That's, that <laughs> is, I could picture that. that yeah. Creepiness. They but I'd turn on my Mac, and it would run for 10 minutes. I'd, I'd basically just spy on this guy for 10 minutes. Yeah. His past himself. And then the, it would freeze up. And I'd shut it off, and I couldn't get it to restart. I'd wait until it cooled down, and I'd do it again, and it'd work, and it'd freeze up. Yeah. So basically, I dug into it. Um, I ended up replacing... This happened over a series of days of me trying stuff and failing and whatever. I ended up replacing... Uh, I found some leaky caps. In fact, uh, Josh... Oh, the guy that says, get the damn batteries out. Josh, Josh Malone. Malone. Josh Malone. Uh, I reached out to him because I knew he would know. Yeah. On Twitter. So if you listen, Josh, appreciate it. Yeah. And I basically said, here's what's going on. He's like, well, it sounds like it could be a power supply issue or a cap issue. And I explained it a little for He's like, yeah, it's a cap issue. Yeah. So sure enough, I went on there, looked on the board, and uh, he said, it's usually the SMD caps, which is the um, uh, surface-mounted yeah. caps. But they're all over the place. I'm like, oh, crap. And I took a picture. I'm like, you mean all these? He's like, no, no, no. Just the the metal cylinder ones. Yeah, there's those only are the like radial three. ones. Those, uh, yep. Yeah. There's only like three. I'm like, oh, I can do that. So sure enough, I go downstairs. I have a pile of caps that I use. I pull these things off, and I see all kinds of damage under them. So they definitely leaked. 
So then I got out some vinegar, cleaned it all off, um, let it dry for an hour or two, reflowed the traces, put in new caps. Uh, then it wouldn't start at all. Then I tested everything out and found out uh, the solder pads that I soldered to were no longer connected because of the acid yeah. to the traces they were supposed to follow. So then I end up having to run, re, like, shave off the outer edge and then reflow the traces. Uh, long story short, after three days of me banging my head against the wall, works beautifully. It's fixed now. It's Good. fixed. And if you remember this thing, it is huge. I don't have it in here because it literally it took up like a, the, like the, a the quarter Mac of this table. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. And uh, what's really crazy about it is when it first came out, I looked it up. Uh, depending on which model you got, which mine was actually the one that had the medium-sized hard drive and two floppy disks. Yeah. Ooh. It was between nine thousand and fifteen grand. Yeah. So the one I had like originally cost like probably twelve, thirteen grand. Right. Um, nice. Not worth that anymore, but still pretty valuable. Yeah. Um, and it's too big for me, and I've got other Macs here, so I'm going to move it on. But yeah, I got it working. Put new batteries in it. Yeah, I had to do that with one of those old uh, TRS-80 Model 100s, those portable ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a trace that had a cap had blown in that and had etched out the trace, and I had to bodge it, like, with a wire. Yep. So I had to, like, there was a trace, and instead of uh, the trace, I had to stick a wire in there. Yeah, just jump it over. And it worked. Yeah. fine, yeah. And you feel so good after that. You do, especially. Yeah, it feels really good. You feel like you're like, all right, great, I can fix anything. Did you ever watch uh, the movie uh, or the TV show House, House MD? Oh, yeah. I didn't. I did, did you? not, actually. House is great. Yeah, so do you remember when House would always say, it's not lupus? Yeah. Like, because it was always lupus. Except for like, the one time the problems. It <laughs> Except the one time it was. It's yeah. like with a, with a retro machine, if something's wrong with it, it's, it's almost always cap- capacitors. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Because the fact- chips are pretty solid. I mean, they do go out, but not that often. It's usually capacitors. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. You've been playing some more GameCube games here, apparently. So this is another GameCube success story is uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. There's a little story to it is that um, I burned a disc. Okay, so I burned like four discs of GameCube because with that recent mod, and they all worked perfectly except for um, the Double Dash. Mm-hmm. Like it would it would play for a little bit and then it would crash. So, like, I kept downloading these different images on the internet and finding one that finally worked and I did get it to finally work, and it's it's a great Mario Kart dash game. I mean, if you if you like Mario Kart or Mario Kart sixty four or any of those, it's a great one with a few little cool gimmicks. Like you can have two people on the cart. Did you yeah. play this on your game? Oh yeah, no, me me and my wife played all the way through Double Dash. Okay, beginning to end, I would I would drive and she would ride in the back and 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 attack. Was, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, because I've only played single. So. What you can do as a single player is you 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 have a guy with your weapons that you. We're collect. not blessed with wives who play video games with us, exactly. Dustin. You don't realize well, that's the only game she plays. What a treasure! <laughs> as single player, you drive and then you grab a power up weapon, and then, then you, swap you can spaces. you you just yeah. swap spaces, and then you can grab another power right. up so that you can just swap your guys. There's a guy hanging on the back of your car, right? So you can just swap your guy. But I didn't know it was, that's awesome. I, that, it it was a lot of fun. Yeah, in, in Double Dash, you could actually play uh, eight players across two game cubes. Oh wow! You could hook a two like hook, a link. hook two game cubes together with the with the Ethernet adapter. Oh wow! And have local play between two systems. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna. I, I, I my daughter loves the kart games. Mm-hmm. Like Mar- she plays Mario Kart eight at least with me. So maybe I can get her. to play I haven't that played one. that one yet. Mario Kart Double I'm Dash. Sure it's a lot of fun. Eight. Oh, eight on like the Switch. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's awesome. Yep. Can you it's play awesome. that on online on Nintendo Online? 
I don't know how to do the online. With <laughs> we Nintendo need to do online. it. I want to play some. Let's play flipping. Mario Kart. I've got Mario Kart. So I don't. You got it. Oh, so you know the Xbox and PlayStation. The reason I went Xbox is that it had better online. And right. back in the day, Xbox was awesome online. Like, right. It was so much better than than Sony. I mean. They just, as far as actually working. For uh, working and reliability. <laughs> right. it works. But if you take that out, not you, as good. You give them money and then you can play online. <laughs> you give them money, oh. the lobbies were nice, the matching, the matchmaking the voice was chat, nice. Yeah, everything. The reliability, yeah. the voice chat especially. So, you know, you get these. And then Sony catches up. I mean, now Sony's is pretty good. But then, like, Switch introduces this thing and they're like, oh, you got to have a cell phone to do online. I'm like... What are you talking about? Right. Oh, the chat, right? Yeah, Using the, 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 app the, the, the chat yeah. thing. That's half We're of the fun. We're not going to conform to your ideals, Eric. We'll do it the way we darn well feel like. That's half of the fun of online is the chat. Now I now my kid, I have to go buy my kid a cell phone to do, right. do the chat thing online. That's ridiculous. And then there's no matchmaking. There's no like lobbies. There's no matchmaking. It's ridiculous. Anyway. Gotcha. Go I'm going to go ahead and reserve five minutes for... <laughs> So if you don't like to talk tech, you can skip forward fast minutes. (laughs) Fast forward five minutes. There you go. Um, I was thinking about my Coco 2, which, for those who don't know, is another microcomputer we keep talking about without telling about them. So uh, it's a Tandy TRS-80 Color Computer 2. Correct. Otherwise known as the Radio Shack TRS-80 Color Computer 2. Yes. I've got it up there, Dustin. Sorry, I don't have it to show you. Do you know what these things look like? No. They look like those. They're keyboard. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's basically a keyboard. It looks like a keyboard. A keyboard. Uh, nonetheless, I've never been able to play a game on that damn thing, even though I can get it to load basic and work. Eric, you were nice enough to let me borrow your your SD card solutions cart that goes on the side. Yeah. I couldn't get that to load anything. I tried to load stuff from tape. That didn't work. So I was looking into it. And the first thing I realized finally was, oh, there was a 16K version and a 64K version. Let me see which one I have. Sure enough, I have a 16K. Yeah. So there's a very good chance I was trying to play a game it couldn't handle. Right. So I looked into that, and there's like 12 versions of this thing, uh, as far as like on the board level. Um, and you can upgrade them and do all kinds of stuff. So I looked at my specific board, and it's not a super common one. They started making them in Korea eventually after making them in the USA. And I have the first revision of the Korean one, uh, and it came with 16K, and it did that in a different way than previous ones and its successors. So it's interesting. It had 16K, but the, the I actually had to go back and look in an old, uh, I can't remember what the name of the magazine was, but an old Color Computer 2 magazine. Yeah, I forget where they, the name of it. I know what you're talking about. Well, there's a few of them, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they listed about how you do each computer and how you upgrade their, the RAM. And it took like five pages because it's all text. But then one little gray box in the corner said, oh, if you have a Korean one, here's what you do. So it's kind of a side note. I'm like, well, that's the one I have. So it's interesting because they didn't know which way technology was going to go. So they didn't know if they should stick with the current inexpensive RAM, which was 8K RAM, or if they should go with this new one Texas Instruments just released called... Uh, I have a part number. So actually, I have a part number right here. Hold on. A TMS-4464, which is... Uh, 32k ram okay all on one chip which is like mind-blowing back then so they basically made it so that they're it can accept this 32k ram which case you only need to add two of them replace the two existing chips with these two new chips but if you wrote to the factory and said i want to upgrade they would give you a bridge which there's these two white connectors in there you put this bridge in there and it has eight 8ks on it 
And then there's all these little jumpers you have to make to make it all work, to make it know that there's... Right. So anyways, this was an ordeal. I ordered the chips from Hong Kong. I got five of them because it was, again, cheaper to buy five for like 10 bucks than it was to buy like two locally. And um, and there, were, there was only one place that actually sold them in this Hong Kong place. And so I didn't know they were going to work, but they did say TMS4464-10NL, whatever that means. Um, so, of course, I just pulled out the old one, shoved the new ones in. Of course, it didn't work. It wouldn't even start up. So then I noticed there was this weird jumper that was jumping power from one place. And then there was a chip that was piggybacked on another chip. And some of the legs were welded. And then other legs were jumped over to another chip. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to remove all that garbage. I don't know what that was from. <laughs> and then it really didn't turn on. <laughs> and then I reversed all that read up on it some more and then found out that uh there was one little jumper i thought i had checked it said you have to have this jumper connected to say 64k which everything i checked was connected to 64k but it's really this one over in the far corner which wasn't jumpered that said ram expansion i'm like well that makes sense jumpered that one put everything back the way it was put my new chips in i've got 64k yay (laughs) so what does that mean not a dang thing. You still, <laughs> you still can't play games? You still need to get that extended basic chip. So, yep, it has a. It comes with a 1.3 color basic RAM chip based in it. Yeah. My particular version has a chip that is 24 pins, which most of them were. But my Corian model has that shoved into a 28-pin connector lock. So to get extended basic, I have to write to a guy, uh, Rom... Ah, shoot, I can't remember... After, he, he wrote back to me. I had to email him, tell him what I wanted. He wrote back to me to confirm it. Yeah. I had to correct him, and then he corrected me. Anyways, we figured out what it is I need, but it's going to be like 30 bucks. Um, but it's basically had... a 28-pin chip that has color basic 1.3 and extended basic built into it at the same time. Yeah. What are you going to say? I love your drive to get this one machine working. <laughs> I, I do. I love it. I love it. And it's like, but I, it's inspiring. But have you ever thought about just getting another one that's already works? Because the first one I bought like plays games and works perfectly. Not at this point. Yeah. How many? Not how many? Uh, time you put into it. How many Coleco Visions did you yeah, did you deal with, it, Eric? You Three, know my pain. Yeah, I know your pain. No, so, I, that's you, why I say I love it. I, I appreciate it, but it's like I wish you would have gone had a path like mine, not gone down, but oh, had yeah. a path like mine where I just got it on Goodwill for 15 bucks and it works perfectly. <laughs> 64K, full color basic. So I thought I was getting a great deal because they're all selling for like yeah. 50, 60 bucks. I got it for like 45 with the box, with uh, some cassettes, with all the adapters, with controllers. Yeah. And it still wasn't a bad deal. I'm not no. against the deal. And no. so far I've only put like five more bucks into it. Yeah. Uh, well, except for time. And a whole lot of headache and time. And <laughs> yeah. my time is worth like $5,000 an hour <laughs> exactly. because I am some yeah. big-time stuff. Um, but, yeah, after, after after I get this extended basic, uh, honestly, I'll still come out ahead because right now they've already climbed in price. A Coco 2 64K is going for like 100 bucks. Yeah, now. nowadays it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you're going to stick with it, yeah. I'm probably going to stick with it now. But um, yeah. they also have Coco 2s. The original ones had this. I, I was telling you about it, and you haven't seen it. Um, I wonder if they want to look it up to show you. They call it the melted keyboard. Okay. And I almost want to buy just the keyboard to pop in there because it looks so cool to me. It's like this, um, oh, Bing. Get out of here, Bing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are terrible. You got to change your default. Uh, I really do. I got this new laptop like three months ago. I don't use it terribly often, but it cannot, it goes to Bing and Bing does not work. Coco 2 melted keyboard. I'm not typing. You guys could have yeah, corrected like, me on what that. What the hell's happening? Wow. 
Appreciate it, guys. You got my back. Good to know. This isn't happening. <laughs> Coco 2 melted keyboard. Let's see if it was fun. Actually. I don't know what you're talking about with the melted keyboard thing. Doesn't sound good to me. It no. does sound like a negative thing, bad. doesn't it? See, that one's melted, but it's got weird colors. Yeah. Um, but see how they're like really low and rounded? Yeah. Um, they just look really cool, whereas mine has like the standard like high. But you saw mine. Mine's just normal, right? Yours is like mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, the original it's, color it, computers had the these like chiclet keys. Yeah. Um, anyways, the melted keyboard looks really cool. It looks really iconic, and I would love to get one. But oh well. Anyways, um, so by the time I do this, all I probably just should have bought my. I could have bought a Coco Three and just had the whole shebang for not yeah. too much more. I kind of kick myself for not just getting a Coco Three back in the day when it, when they were really cheap. Because yep. now they're rare and very very hard to find. Yeah, in fact, but they're was, more equivalent to like an Amiga. Yeah, you know, one I mean? was just on sale, and I thought about buying it, but I didn't. Now I'm te- now I'm kicking myself. Yeah. Anyways, you've been playing some Neo Geo Pocket. Yep. So I wanted to just tell you the stuff we I've been playing. So I got the Flashmaster Flash card. Flash that's the Master. one that, that's the local one with the really cool looking accurate cart, but it can only switch between two games with the dip switch. Yeah, two two games 16 meg games and if there's a game like metal gear or not metal gear metal slug 2 that is a bigger game you can only fit one on the card. oh i didn't know that yeah. luckily i have that one yeah most of the games are 16 megs but sometimes there's 32 meg games but i slapped puzzle link and cotton on there i love me some puzzle link cotton well let me talk about that one first that is the only shmup and i'm going to use that term no matter who it makes angry <laughs> Is the only shmup on the Neo Geo Pocket Color? Did it's you know not that? a good screen for shmups, I wouldn't think. But how was it? It was good. I, I, I'm still playing it, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great little. You've heard of Cotton, though, right? It's on other oh, yeah, systems. No, we've, we've talked about it's it. It's got the the girl that's on the broomstick. Great, great shmup. It's good stuff. Awesome. I'm just glad I just binged Cotton real quick. And then the other one. <laughs> Gosh, the worst engine ever. And then the other one uh, is Puzzle Link, which uh, I was surprised you told me you got to level three. Puzzle or, Link? Yeah. Oh, How no, far? I'm on level eight. I'm trying to, I keep getting to the very last, like, right. eight dash five, and I keep getting there, and I uh, can't quite be eight five, but I think that's the last level. Okay. I got to level one dash You're missing seven. something. You're missing something. I must be because that game is hard as nails. Really? I cannot get past the the level to level two. And really? I, I think I'm getting it. I mean, you link the sim colors, right? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I must be doing <laughs> something wrong. But anyway, this is cotton. I I, I mean, the, the nice thing about it, it's not terribly difficult, which is good for me. And my limited intellect. What I like about it is it's really easy and I can beat it real quick. Well, I wouldn't say that. That's what I like in a game. But it's fun. It's a fun... Next, we're going to review Barney's 1, 2, 3 on the Mega Drive. Uh, but I, I did think it was an, an I do own that. interesting shmup. I mean, it's... Uh, see, that's a little bullet hellish. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've gotten about halfway through the game. There's no save state, so I mean... This I, game, I'm sure, is crazy expensive if you didn't have the cart. Oh, I can imagine that this game is ridiculous. But it's a fun one, and... Uh, so I, I think I, you went that route. I held off. I think I heard that uh, Retro HQ is producing carts again. 
Okay. So I think I did reach out via email. I'm going to see where I land in the queue. And if it's in a realistic amount of time, I think I'm going to go ahead and buy one. Because that one can load all the games at once, and you can just select them from a menu. Right. Even though it's not nearly as pretty as the Flashmaster, because it's 3D printed. Yeah. But it's yeah. much more user-friendly. Like I told you, I'm digging the Neo Geo Pocket Color so much, I, I might get two Flash cards. I mean... Yeah. I I'm, might just... I'm get, rich, See, you like not? it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not rich. Where's the button? There's got to be a button here somewhere. <laughs> there we go. You make me sad, Eric. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> You and my wife. <laughs> oh. oh, wait, I have one of those. I, um, I, I'm I excited about the Neo Geo cart because there's a lot of those games that are very pricey. Yeah. That'll be good. Where's my notes? Where am I at? Next up is bought a Commodore Plus 4. Yes, I did. Yeah, I saw it. Also had to buy new hangers. I don't have them up yet, but my, my wall of microcomputers, of wedge computers, if you will, yeah. is growing. Uh, so with my new uh, set of three racks, I should be able to add my Apple II up here. Uh, my Coco II can go back up on the wall, and the new Commodore Plus 4. Here, let me pass this around. Yes. Don't mind me. This is my Commodore Plus It's actually heavier than you'd think. Yeah, it is. And she's a beaut. What Apple II are you putting on the wall? Just the Apple II. The Apple II GS? Yeah. Oh. That's not really a wedge computer. It's not. I All guess right. it doesn't have to. I could put my, my Spectrum, but it's so small, it'll look weird up there. Um, eventually, my uh, Spectrum Next will go up there. So anyways, there's the uh, Commodore Plus 4, which uh, I... I mean, again, any of these wedge computers kind of came before my time, so you could tell me more about that than I could, probably. Well, it's in perfect shape. I mean, that one's a beauty. I um, got Apparently, I got really lucky on this. Uh, I got this. I had it on its way. Hadn't seen it yet. I let you know about it. Mm-hmm. And I let, again, uh, my our boy... Tim Drew, know yeah. about it. Yep. You guys both said the th- same thing, which is basically, good luck. That thing's not going to work. <laughs> um, well, the, appara- yeah, the, the main chip in there, the TED chip, is known for its uh, unreliability. For failing, basically. For failing, yeah. And it still could. I mean, um, it, it was known, to, it was prone to overheat. So, yep. and so I once- heard a lot about this, and Tim said the same thing. He's like, I've got three of them, none of them work. Mm-hmm. Actually, I take that back. He had three of them, four of them. Three of them don't work. One does work, but it, he's so worried about it working that he only uses it if he has to. Yeah. Um, the Commodore 16 mm-hmm. plays most of the games this well uh, because they didn't make a lot that used the 64K, yeah. which this has. They, so anyways, um, so he says he uses that for everything 16-bit because it's more reliable. He only uses this when he has to. However, I plugged it in and it works, which I was super excited about. Yeah. Um, Did you put the heat sinks on it yet? I opened it up and put heat sinks on it because Perfect. that they say the key is to get the heat away from those primary chips. Now it's interesting because it's a wedge. Yep. So the heat sinks that are vital are up here. So I can put. I bought just you know import heat sinks with. Are they already have the glue on the back? You stick them on there, and I covered them. I mean I got a, like a twenty pack. So I just if there's real estate, I put them on there. Yeah. Um, however, there's like four in the front here. And, and I kind of, because I, I saw on the future was 8bit.com, they have some examples of what you can do. And they basically had a long strip of metal. I think Rod Hull did this. That he uh, used the compound on each one of those chips and put this piece of metal across the whole thing. Yeah. So they'd all kind of share that heat sink. But I was like, wonder why he did it that way. And I realized, well, if I put heat sinks on these, the lid won't close. The lid won't close, yeah. So that's why I did it. You just kind of spread it over a long, thin piece. Yep. Um, so I kind of wrote, I'm like, I don't have 
a long thin piece of metal to do that with or a heat sink compound because mine was already included with the uh, heat sinks. So I kind of put it out there on Twitter, like, how important is that? And people are like, it's really not that important. Those usually don't overheat. Besides, they're the ROMs, uh, um, the ROM chips. So the Commodore Plus 4 is basically a Commodore 16 with 64K of RAM that has, I don't know why it says Plus 4. It has three, like, office application ROMs built into it. It has, like, a word processor, which is awful, and a spreadsheet program, which is awful. (laughs) And then it had... Uh, like a, uh, I guess they considered it. They called it like graphics. They just called it graphics, but I guess it's like pie chart kind of thing. But they aren't pie chart. They're like bar charts. I thought there was a and data, database awful. element too, like a little flat file database. Maybe element. that was the fourth one. Yeah. Um, I got this thing complete in box. I don't have the box right here, so that was cool. And it comes yeah. it came with some stuff, but it's interesting because my understanding is the sixty four had already been out and was the huge computer, and there was already thousands of programs for it, and everyone loved that thing. Yep. They've made this to be a cost-reduced version of that, like a solution for so because they can compete with um, some of the other microcomputers that came in cheaper than a Commodore, I guess. However, this thing's technically like as powerful or more powerful than the Commodore sixty-four, but the way they made it, they made it cheaper and they made it completely incompatible with anything else that Commodore made. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's more powerful that's kind of a weird it's more equivalentish it, it, the thing with the with that is that it didn't come with chips that support hardware sprites it didn't come that's true with, it that's didn't true. come with the sid chips for nope. so not gonna get as advanced music it was almost that's like they, they designed that for business so i think the processor runs faster than the commodore 64 because the 6502 and the 64 runs at one megahertz okay that's probably the part i heard and i think that runs faster i don't know what the what that runs faster at but it for games that is inferior to the commodore 64 however yeah all kinds of crazy cool games have come out for, for it. sure people <laughs> and will i was find looking ways. at them there's some yeah. really good there's some really good stuff out absolutely. there absolutely yeah i have not been able to play any of these games yet right for two reasons number one uh, the ports on the back are a little different. Yeah, they definitely. They do are. have a uh, user port back here. Okay. So I, my apparently you can use the SD to IEC from the Future Wars 8 bit on this machine, but to drive power from it, you either have to like solder a pigtail on it with another adapter, like a little uh, connector. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not doing. Or you talk to your boy Tim Drew and he sends you one of their cool new products, which I'm going to advertise for them right now, which is called the User Port Saver. Yeah. Right, and I've seen that. They, that's been a product of theirs for a while now. Yeah, well, not too long, six months. Really, it's fairly new. I thought it was longer than that because mm. you can use it on other machines than the Plus Four. Yeah. So basically, what it does is on a Commodore sixty four. Mm-hmm. Yep. You plug it into the user port, <clears throat> and then it basically uh, diverts the user port so you can still use the user port. Yep. But then also pulls off uh, five volts onto a. Uh, another little wing that kind of sticks out the back of your computer so that you can plug in the SD2 IEC into that port to take the five volts off of it. Yep. Because but many still use the user port. Almost all the peripherals <clears throat> for the Commodore 64 have five volts and you can draw that off of the cassette port. Right. So you put that thing in there and it just peels off like five volts. So yeah, that you can still yeah. use the port and, but not eat it up for a, for something that uses power. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, Someone did kind of call me out on Twitter, and they're like, well, yeah, but it's a different user port. It's not wired the same way. 
So I said, thank you. That's cool. I never knew that. But then I ran it by Rod and Tim. They said, that's true, but the 5 volts still where it's supposed to be. So you can still do that. The 5 volt is still in the same spot. Yeah. The device also, which is cool, shows you what the voltage is on your power. Yeah. Because a lot of times Commodore uh, power supplies will go out of whack and they'll drop 4.7, then 4.6, and 4.5. And eventually you fry up your Commodore because the power supply is failing. Yeah. And you didn't catch it. So you have a visual indication, which is cool. Here's the other issue. Where are the DB9 connectors on that, Eric? For the joystick, yeah, they don't. They don't there is it. not one dang DB9 connector, which means I can't use standard yeah, controllers they take on proprietary, this. They take proprietary joysticks, right? Now here's a benefit. Yeah, that's a reset button. A Commodore 64 does not have a reset button. Yeah, it's still <laughs> that's kinda, cool. It's still kind of messed up that they, they don't take typical DB9 joysticks, though. That's kind of lame. You're still you're still ragging on to that. I'm trying to show you the I'm trying to show you the cool reset, the reset button. button. Sure, sure, sure. The hey, look what I got in the mail, guys. Oh, here it is, right here. I just got this in literally today. Priority or international priority, Royal Mail. I wonder what this is, Eric. I don't know. Is that from? I'm just opening in a random package here that I no idea what it is. Oh, look at that! It's an adapter. It's an adapter. I literally just got this today. Oh, wow, cool. So now my um, joystick ports, I can just adapt them straight to DB9. Nice. And it's DB9 wired the correct Is that from Future 8-Bit or is from somewhere else? This is from coolnovelties.co.uk. That's where I got that uh, VIC-20 like uh, connector, the 3D printed connector for the VIC-20 port. Oh, yeah? Same company, yeah. Very cool. They have a lot of neat stuff. Well, this is uh, necessary. The only reason it's neat is because I needed it. I wish I didn't need it. Yeah, I'm trying it out. Ooh, that's that's a snug fit. I don't think that's ever coming out. <laughs> there we go. I got a DB9 port, so now I can play games on this. And you just got to load stuff. But it's really cool. This thing is black. It's small. It's almost like an Amiga 8 uh, A600 rather than the full-size Amiga. Yep. And it's got arrow keys on here, too. So, yeah. That is a future project for me. Cool. To finish up and play games on. Um, been playing a lot of Spectrum stuff. Played a lot of Attic Attack. Nice. Or as John on the Amigos calls it, a Tick Attack, because it's spelt that way. A Tick Attack, yeah. A Tick Attack. And I actually tried to learn that game and play it, and it's, it is really fun. I spent a couple hours, two or three hours playing that game solid. I almost beat it. I okay. actually got to the point where I had all the keys, finally, and I was heading up to get the final key, and then I just had to take it downstairs. And I was on my like last bar of health, and I died. Yeah, but I got there. I got very close. Uh, you brought a very large, strange-looking box. Yes, I did. So we should boot this up. I didn't want to turn it on while we were talking because it is very loud, like a normal Xbox is. Oh, it's an Xbox, you say? What is this Xbox? So this is an of? original Xbox. So I, a friend of mine gave me his Xbox uh, a few years ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you real quick. Yeah. I was in Legacy Games yeah. here in Elk Grove, California, and uh, they have an Xbox that they just got in, and they were selling it, mm-hmm. and I just realized, I look at the guy, I'm like, this is the first, this, it's going to sound weird, this is the first time I've ever seen an Xbox. Really? I've seen Xbox 360s everywhere. Yeah. I was not into gaming when Xbox was a thing. Okay. And I never knew it. I had some people that knew had, had a PlayStation 2, but that thing's huge, first of all. It is huge, but the... One benefit is the power supply is built into the box, so that's why that's it's so why large. it's huge. 
So out of the back, you literally have a cord that just plugs into the wall. So there's no big giant brick that you have to put in there. The Xbox 360 had that giant power supply. So the little history of me with the Xbox is that the first one I got was from a friend of mine who gave me his Xbox with the caveat that the seed that the DVD, I think it's CD or Drive. DVD, like the the tray didn't open, so it was broken. And that wasn't a big deal because you could still open it with the little paperclip button, you know, the emergency. Oh, yeah. But these came with an eight uh, meg hard drive in it. Wait, wow, eight, though. Eight was gig. it eight gig? Eight gig. Eight gig, yeah. Eight it gig. was eight gig, yeah. <laughs> so the eight gig hard drive in there was mainly to do save games and some of the games would cache some things onto the hard drive. It really wasn't used all that often, but... Um, I took that one and I modded it, but I, the, the mod process. Up the yinging? I did, yeah. Okay. I modded it, but I didn't have a replacement drive, so I just left the eight gig one in there. I modded it. There's a way to mod it. The, for lack of a, for lack of a better way to describe it, the Xbox will take, put a file on the hard drive that matches like a serial number on this box, so you can't just put another hard drive in it. It'll reject the 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 the, the second Lame. hard drive you put in there. It has to be the same one. So I just left the eight gig one. And I and I modded it and it was cool. I could put emulators on there, but it was only eight gigs, so there wasn't much I could do. So I kept saying, well, as soon as I find a larger IDE hard drive, I'm going to try to do the bigger mod, which is a little more intensive. So I've been putting it off, putting it off, and then finally there was a guy in because you were scared of breaking your Xbox. I was, yeah, sure. <laughs> there was a guy in the pocket area here in Sacramento that said that he was selling this one. It has a 250 gig hard drive in it, pre-modded, ready to go. So I just went and I, and I grabbed it. And so I, you're saying you have an Xbox you don't need anymore? I do. That's right. That is correct. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Um, might be in the market for said so Xbox. A, and I actually fixed the DVD tray to a degree. It, it works about half the time. But anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> So this one was modded. I did mod it a little more. I put put more emulators on it, put a few more tools on there. But it has a 250-gig hard drive. One of the cool things about the Xbox is that there are a lot of developers even today that still try to put emulators and tools and stuff on the Xbox. So, like, you can go in there. You can launch a DVD. Um, This part right here under games, these are full Xbox games that you can just either download. Yeah. Or there's a tool where you can just pop a disc in here and it'll just rip it right to the hard drive. Ooh, so, what is this game right here? Ninja Gaiden Black? That's right. Ninja Gaiden hmm. Black. Right there on the hard drive. I don't need a disc or anything. Um, and then under applications, there's like a DVD player, text editor, stuff like that. XBMC is kind of like a pl- thing you can play movies with. In case you want to like do that. some word processing on your Xbox with the controller. Sure. Why not? <laughs> But under emulators, this is the key. So one thing I really like about this is like when we talk about games, I can just try them out before I try them on the real machine. But on emulators, there is a really great PlayStation emulator on this that is actually pretty good and it doesn't glitch or anything. So you can play original PlayStation games on this. So there's, you know... Atari 2600, 7800, ColecoVision. This used to be, well, and even to some people, this is still like the emulation box of choice. Of choice, I've heard because that. it's consoleized and the emulators work so well. So Super Nintendo, PlayStation, Nintendo 64, this one works okay. There's a, It's kind of glitchy here and there. But 
One of the things that on my old one I could not fit on an 8-gig drive was CoinOps Premium. So this is the version of CoinOps 8 Premium. So when you launch this, it basically is an arcade platform, but there are hundreds of arcade games, kind of like what we do on RetroPie. But now they're on this system and they play very well and they're easy to map the keys and all that stuff. And they're kind of in this very cool kind of uh, attract mode here. Yeah, they're very, it's a very nice gooey Cadillac dinosaurs. <laughs> um, it's just a neat way to play these games. And there are, uh, I, there are, I think there are 800 games in here for wow. the. But anyway, that, so that's my newly acquired Xbox. I'm going to yeah, keep. The gooey looks great with all these like logos and floating art. And... It's a very attractive. Yeah, I really like the GUI. And so I tried to download this for my old Xbox, but I mean, the download alone for the minimum coin ops was 24 gigs. So yeah. it wasn't going to fit on my old one. This one, this is a 250 gig drive. I don't know. This is the premium version, so it has a ton of games. So there's Contra, Contra Hardcore, Contra 3. Those aren't even arcade games. Right. CoinOps doesn't care. It just whatever games are on there. CoinOps don't care. Nope. There's original Donkey Kong. <laughs> badger don't care. I'll stop. That's anyway. pretty cool. Although you need to replace your coin cell battery because it still says it's 2005. Yeah, and I didn't do that. In fact, I should <laughs> replace the capacitors in there because I'm sure they're aged. aged yeah, just as wait well. for them to leak like I do. <laughs> fix it when you need to. Exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But anyway, so that's my new Xbox. I plan on still modding it more. Can I ask how much something like that costs? Uh, already sure. done. Oh, oh, so already done. Already done. So the guy wanted one twenty, and I talked him down to hundred. All right. Just not have to do that, and not have to worry about bricking it and stuff. Not have to worry about downloading the coin ops is the big one because even if you download that size of image, mm-hmm. um, it's very hard to get on the internet a working image of coin ops. Do they not have um, IDE hard drives now that are uh, flash memory based? Not IDE, not though. No? It's too no. old. Yeah. Mm. SATA is probably, though. S- SSDs are SATA, yeah. Yeah. I'm just used to uh, th- this world now where I just say, well, no, it would be cool if this existed, and then I look it up and it exists. No. That so why does that yet. not exist yet? I mean, you uh, could probably get an adapter IDE yeah. to SATA and then put the SATA drive into the IDE. This mod might have that because um, I don't know if it would support that large of a hard drive without that kind of adapter. Yeah. This may be a SATA drive, and I haven't opened it up yet. Yeah, 250 gig is, is pushing it on IDE. Yep. All right. I got something else in the mail. All right. This came in like two days ago, and I looked at it. Okay. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I have no recollection of what this is. And up in the corner, it says Limited Run Games. And oh, I'm like, I don't wow. think I've ever actually bought anything from Limited Run Games. You're going to laugh when you see this, because I honestly do not recall buying this at all. Okay. The Messenger. I now wow. own the Messenger on Switch, which I already beat. But you already beat, but you own the hard copy. I don't have the messenger. <laughs> How'd you get um, the hard copy? That's I, crazy. I bought it, I guess, and I didn't. It must have been so long ago, I don't remember doing it, which means they take a long time to print the game. Um, it looks nice. It's still in the shrink wrap. I bought the digital version. Are they going to send me that? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't work right out of the box. Um, anyway, so yeah, I already own this game and beat it, and I'm waiting. For, oh, actually, the, the DLC came out, but. Kind of a bummer it took that long and I didn't think about it. I would have waited for the physical. I'm an idiot. 
I'm surprised. Yeah, it is, that's crazy. I'm stupid. I'm a stupid man. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, here's news to me. Yeah. Did you know that No Man's Sky is a good game now? I do know that. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> Was that news to you? Yeah. I actually looked in an in a issue of... Because No Man's Sky came out. It was all hyped up. It was like kickstarted, I believe. Or something like that. But it was all hyped up. at this amazing open world. You can go into space and it's like almost in, infinite. You know, like this huge space. And you could literally go out there and explore all kinds of things. And people were so excited about the opportunity to go out there and... Procedurally generate. Yeah, you know. just basically learn, find all this stuff and explore. And it came out, and I guess it was just like super boring. Like there was nothing to do. It basically yeah, they, went places. They all looked the same. They overpromised and underdelivered. And uh, that game went from like sixty dollars brand new in the stores to like twenty dollars in like three weeks. Like yeah. nobody bought it. Uh, I even saw it used for like ten bucks. And I'm like, I'll wait till it goes cheaper because I do want to see it. Anyways, that was like two years ago. I was looking in an IGN magazine, or not IGN. What do you call it? Uh, game Informer from GameStop. And they had this whole thing basically talking about games that had a flop release and then they are now good games. And that like won the competition. It's like this is now like an A minus game and it used to be an F. I'm right. like, how? What the hell happened? I bought it on Xbox One a, lo- a while ago because it was on a blowout. So yeah, it was yeah. like fourteen ninety nine or something and it was a physical copy. I bought it. And a bunch, I mean, every time I booted that thing up, I'd get an update. And they were just changing it day after day every time i, I missed all up. that yeah and uh supposedly it's really good now, i haven't really sunk my teeth into it but supposedly it's really good and there's a guy on twitter blake patterson i don't know if you follow him no he raves about that game he loves it talks about it all the time huh. and I, I, maybe it's worth getting into i don't know part of me wants to buy a, an old physical yeah not, not plug into the internet and see how bad it was and then turn it on and be like great now i'm ready to pl- oh, wait eight hours of updates and then eventually play it and go okay wow look at that yeah Oh, that was interesting to me. And the the part I played, I probably last played it, honestly, six months ago, maybe. And it wasn't bad. It was pretty fun. I mean, it wasn't enough to capture my my interest. That's but not saying much. No. So, <laughs> but it, I've, I've read really good things about it. You were super excited about Dangerous Driving. I was. Remember we talked about it mm-hmm. on a previous episode? Did you get it? No. Oh, so what are you talking about? It didn't get great reviews. It didn't? It got like... Six out of tens. Uh, I know. Because it's based on Burnout. It's all the old developers from Burnout. I, I'm not sure what the issue with it is, but it yeah, did not <clears throat> did not do well. However, the game a new game came out called Wreckage, which is getting great reviews. Is that by the same people? No, I don't think it's related, but it's okay. it's a game where it's a racing game where you crash a whole bunch and mm-hmm. everyone's loving it. So And that's what might is be that worth on? looking into both and switching tact. What's that on? I think it's everything. I don't know. Maybe not Switch. Wreckage. Hmm. I'll look it up. Wreckage. Um, I'm going to hop in here and say uh, I also started playing uh, Bloodborne Ritual of... What's it called? Ritual of the Night? Yeah. And uh, I was super excited about this game because it is Symphony of the Night, like the new version with some of the original creators. Have you heard of this one, Dustin? Mm-mm. Really? Bloodborne? Mm-mm. It's for everything. Have you played Symphony of the Night? Oh, are you a big Castlevania fan? Yeah, I've played a bunch of them. I haven't played Symphony of the Night though. Oh, I need to play Symphony that. of the Night's one of the better ones. It's I mean, uh, PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. I, originally, yeah. it's the one that it's the one that even though I'm not a fan of the term, blah blah blah. Yeah, that coined Metroidvania, right? Because it's one where you go back and forth and power up and uh, level up, and you also put that in the PS Classic. And oh, play. you will love it. It's probably one of my top ten games. The PS Classic is a good way to play it too. Save save states. 
<laughs> no, it's not a good way to play. Hmm. Bloodstained on the Switch. <laughs> um, so this is hard because... So I knew, I heard people say, and we talked about this last time, the Switch version is not as good as the other versions because the Switch that. has the down res and there's some like frame skipping or whatever. Right. Uh, what they really should have said was it is borderline, borderline not worth playing on the Switch. Actually, it's not worth playing on the Switch, period. The frame rate makes it really hard and feel really slow, and you have to like attack before you need to attack. Oof. So it's, it's not good there. Yeah, I can see the graphic differences, but that doesn't bother me because I wouldn't buy a Nintendo Switch if I cared about graphics. The issue I have is I got to a part in the game where I tried to open this drawer where you're supposed to get like an upgrade. Open it, crashed. Ooh, went back to the save good. point, went back to that drawer, opened it, crashed. Ooh. I'm like, okay, I guess I just won't open that drawer. Moved on, played another like hour into the game, saved it luckily a couple more times. Got to a part of the game where I needed to go to move forward. Got to that new room, waited like 20 seconds for it to load. What the hell? Got into that room, did like one thing, go to the next room, crashed. I'm like, I can't go further in the game. Um, That's not good. So I went online and looked up, I'm like, it's not just me, right? And sure enough, people are like, yeah, the game's great, but like, there's a lot of bugs in here that make it difficult. I'm like, I can't even play the game. Like, I can't get... I've already put eight hours into it. I love Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It's awesome. It's Symphony of the Night, but modern. Just as good. Great game. I suggest it. Do not buy it on the Switch yet. Um, Are you thinking about buying it for the PS4? No, I don't do that. Um, So what's a bummer is they said, hey, we know we have a lot of issues with the Switch version. We're working on it. And then eventually they said, hey, we're coming out with a new patch. And they did this new patch. Well, the patch didn't affect any of that stuff. Oof. It was like it was just adding stuff like it did on the other patches for the other systems. That's about So they have not addressed any of the issues yet. I don't know if they can't or what. Because that's one I wanted to get. I really want it. I would not get it on the Switch if you're going to get it or maybe hold off and see if... They, I mean, eventually they're going to have to patch it. Otherwise, I mean, I would return it if I could right now. Jeez. Um, I really I, want to play it. The game is amazing. I saw it uh, the other day in Best Buy for the Xbox One. I was like... Yeah. yeah. Get it for the Xbox One. Yeah. It's getting great reviews on everything else. All right. So that was kind of a bummer. But um, I got, like I said, I got like eight hours into that. I really want to keep playing it. But right now I just haven't touched my Switch because I don't want to play something else because I'm in the middle of it. Okay. That's kind of my mental block. Yeah. Um, that being said, I finally said, you know what? I'm going to wait until they patch it. Nothing else I can do. So I started uh, Mario vs. Rabbids or whatever it's called. Yeah. How yeah. you like that? I just started and, you know, the polish of, of Nintendo games. That's fun. They're, yeah. they're easy and they're enjoyable. Yeah. So I really haven't done too much combat yet, but I'm already into it. Yeah. So it, And it gets, there's more and more to that game as you go through it. At yeah. first you might go, oh, there's not much to this, but you got to stick with it for a little How while. How far do you get in that one? I probably got halfway through it. Halfway, oh, 75%. Really? Yeah. That's quite like, a bit. That's like finishing a game for you. It is. That's something. That is yeah. something. That is something. I also want to point out, you're wearing your TurboGrafx-16 shirt. I am. I've got my old school Nintendo 8-bit controller shirt. Yep. you got something Japanese. Oh, that is Metroid. I can tell by the ship. Samus. Samus, uh, yeah. Samus is a hottie. <laughs> she could use smaller armor, though. Those shoulder pads are a bit ridiculous. I saw a cosplay of somebody made where they made that her entire suit like true to form true to yeah it looks amazing i, I i've seen some did you see her some, walking in it or oh, she yeah, just no, did moving like doing really doing okay. the poses and, I, and, like, i've seen some pretty really amazing good. uh of the that battle armor like i've seen some pretty amazing stuff like wow that looks so good the legs all lit up lit with up, leds yeah. and stuff yeah. yeah so i have one last thing i want to do on catching up here before we move on all right 
That is a boring Raspberry Pi 2. Yep. Um, I finally bit the bullet. I don't say bit the bullet, but I want a Pico 8 machine, darn it. Okay. So I went and bought Pico 8 for the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it cost 15 bucks or whatever, which it's worth it. Cause is this a Raspberry making, Pi 2? That's a Raspberry Pi 2. Okay. Here's what I didn't know. Because there's two things I really wanted to do. I want a simple system where all it does is play uh, Pico 8 games. Yep. And uh, I wanted to make, I guess, just simple, stupid, and I don't I don't want it connected to the internet. I want to be able to just put games on it, play the games, whatever. Okay. So what I learned, and this is half my battle, and this made me really excited about it. First of all, somebody uh, came up with a build where now when I plug this in, it just powers up straight into Pico 8. That's it. Perfect. That's what I want. Yep. I'm like... Well, I don't want... I mean, it's HDMI. I can put it on my screen. I don't want to. If you take one of these connectors, which is a RCA connector here with, you know, a red, yellow, and uh, white connector on it. Yeah. And you plug in the adapter into this hole here. Yeah. You can do RCA out still. Oh, that's awesome. Because the Pico... Uh, the Pico... Oh, not Pico. The Raspberry Pi 1 actually had an RCA out, but you had to worry about getting the audio out. Right. So this actually has, is a three-way uh, connector where you can get left, right, and nice. video. So I plug that into this bad boy, and it pops right up. Unfortunately, the top's cut off a little bit, and the bottom's cut off a little bit. So, of course, anytime you deal with a Raspberry Pi, you start going to the uh, the uh, config text and start trying to like edit things and trying to make it work. I could not get it to work where it would fit in the hmm. screen. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, this build, for whatever reason, will not see any of my joysticks. I've tried multiple joysticks. Oh, wow. So I can only use it with a keyboard, which I don't want to do that. Yeah, you, you need to get a keyboard. So I fought with this thing for like six hours. So I'm kind of excited about <laughs> it, but it really, I mean, I don't know why it's not seeing a joystick. I want to see the joystick. I want to play Raz- or Pico 8 games, uh, in part because there's a new Star Wars arcade Pico 8 game that came out. I saw have you seen that? that? I have seen it. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, have you just tried that with HDMI, though? No, I mean... That, that wouldn't change. I mean, it pops up in here just fine. At the top might... I yeah, just the, wonder what it looks like on HDMI if, the, if it has those bars on the top and bottom. It's not a bar. It's just, it literally goes off the edge of the screen. Oh, it's too big. Too big. So you need almost like an underscan. Yep. Okay. Which I kept plus, pl- kept playing with the config text, and it, no matter what I did, it just stayed the same. Yeah. So I'm not sure why. I don't know. But ultimately, I just need to see my controller. That's more important. Where, so you got the build. I don't want to get too much into this, but you got the build. Talking tech. It oh. was a whole build for Pico 8? Like you just yeah, it was a free one. SD card? Like the whole thing was pre-configured? Yep. You might want to just try putting Raspberry Pi on there with, uh, with the Raspberry Pi operating system and just compiling and installing Pico 8 on there. Yeah, I mean, if they, I have to, I'll have to the, go that way. Then the operating system will support joysticks because it's built into the Raspberry Pi operating system. And the screen, there's a lot more options for screen dimensions. See, the way I understand it is, for the most part, you have to, like, load up the little window screen, use your mouse to, like, open it and stuff. And, like, I don't want to do that. I want to load, I want to be its own self-sustained environment. Yeah. I want to plug it in and be like, there's a games, collect one, or select one, go. The problem with those guys that make those pre, pre-configured pre cards like they're that. They're customized, right? Yeah, they're customized, but they make them, and then they just... That's it. Done. Move done, on. And they're not updated. They're not made for... He may have made that for Raspberry Pi 1, and then it just was kind of ported over to 2 haphazardly. Yeah, I don't you, know. You don't know what the history is, and they don't update them all that often. So it's kind of best to just build your own, really. True that. So anyway. Just my two cents from having done it. The funny thing is, my 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 
bad story is from a Commodore 128. Like I, I had a Commodore 128 that didn't work, so I gutted it and I put a Raspberry Pi in it, and I downloaded someone's uh, SD image of, of like a boot thing that just boots right into a Commodore 128. Nothing worked. Like the uh, keyboard yeah. didn't work right, the joysticks didn't work right. So I eventually just installed Vice on it and did my own. So anyway, cool. Yep. Well, that's all we have for catching up. Testin, what about you? Anything else? I'm good. Testin is good. For this month's Eric's Take segment, I wanted to record my arcade memories. As much as I love video games and arcade systems in general, I have to admit I didn't spend a ton of time on arcade machines as a kid, and there were a couple of good reasons for that. One, I didn't have a lot of money back then. Uh, Quarters were pretty hard to come by. Another reason is I lived far from most arcades. Uh, The limited games I was exposed to were mostly in convenience stores or supermarkets. Arcades were downtown or near malls, which involved usually a long bus ride or a long skateboard or bike journey. In my memory, arcade machines are linked to their locations uh, as they were usually out of the way and involved some kind of journey, whether it was by bike, skateboard, or bus. I spent quite a bit of time this last month racking my brain about the games and arcade names. It's funny how those little details kind of leak out of the brain. But I did want to try to recollect as many games as I could remember and talk about them a bit. The first time I remember playing a game was at a local flea market. It was called Denio's Roseville Auction. And there was an an Asteroids machine there. And it had a few cool features. It was a pretty banged up machine. But it had this something was broken inside of the coin box so uh, quarters would pile up in there and I would hit that as hard as I could with my fist and a quarter would drop in so me and sometimes a friend would just sit at that machine while my parents were perusing the auction and we would play for hours on that machine and it was always there and it always had quarters stuck in it and this would po- this was probably around 80 81 or 82 and we just had a blast doing that eventually at that flea market uh, a pac-man machine <clears throat> joined the asteroids machine but that one didn't have the same fault so i had to put quarters in it and we did play that one quite a bit and that, the next memory that I have was a local market by my parents' house. Uh, It was probably about a mile and a half away. And it was a mom and pop store uh, called Bing's Market. And this this place has some of the most vivid memories I have of arcade machines. There were several games I played there, including Joust and Defender uh, and Spy Hunter. But the one game that really stuck out was a game called Inferno. And Inferno, I later found out, was a very rare game. It it was an isometric game where you had a guy and he was chasing around uh, demons. And I don't remember a lot of the details of the game, but I played that one for hours. And later on, a few about a year ago or so, I did some research on this cabinet and found out that there were only about 12 left in the world that were owned by collectors. I guess it wasn't a super popular game, 
Uh, from what the research I could gather, only about 200 total were made, but one found its way to this small little market in the middle of nowhere, and I played it a ton. Uh, I spent a lot of uh, time and money on that machine, and it was a lot of fun. It was an interesting machine. It had uh, two control sticks with one of the sticks had a fire button on top. And that kind of configuration makes it very hard to replicate on a home machine like my bar top uh, because you have to have both hands on the control sticks and there's no way to hit fire. Um, I've often thought of uh, if I ever build a second machine, I might keep my bar top and just make it make it a dedicated Inferno machine and uh, build some kind of custom controls on it. But it bings uh, the other games, Joust, Defender, Spy Hunter, those were mainstays. The, because I didn't go to arcades a lot, uh, I played those three, four games a ton and got pretty good at them. Another one is by the time I got to uh, junior high and high school, there was a 7-Eleven uh, on the way to school. And kids would go in there before and after and play video games. And this around this time era, I remember seeing uh, several games. Uh Gauntlet, uh, Galaga, and Street Fighter II were the three big ones that I remember. Uh, of those, my favorite was probably Street Fighter II, but only when there were other kids there that we played against. Um, I think the the one I spent the most money on, though, was Galaga. I really enjoyed that game. Um, but I do remember, in particular, one day, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cabinet came in there, and this thing was huge. It took up the spot where normally two arcade machines would sit, and this one behemoth machine dropped in, and uh, me and several other friends would play it all at the same time. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but I did miss Galaga because that was the one that was replaced by that. Then there was an arcade, which was smack dab in the middle of a pretty bad neighborhood, very close to my house, and I... I've done some research and I can't find the name of it, but it, it may not have even had a name. It was just a store that had, well, not a store, but a, a commercial building that had a bunch of arcade games in it. Um, and I don't remember a single game in that. It's just funny how that just, uh, I, I do, well, you know, I do remember a ninja game. It might've been Shinobi. Uh, but other than that, I don't remember anything. The, the, like I said, where I lived, there just weren't um, any arcades. So to get to an arcade, you had to travel. And the first real arcade I went to was um, in in a place here in Sacramento area called Old Sacramento. It's a little area that's very Western looking. It's got a lot of uh, old buildings. And there was an, um, an arcade in the basement of one of the buildings. And it was called the Time Zone. And I had to do some research to figure that out. I couldn't remember the name of it. it saved the life of me. Um, and I, they had a ton of games. And I remember there was an, an Afterburner game and uh, Star Wars, the one you you sat in, which was uh, just a big surprise to me. Pretty amazing. But the, the one machine there that uh, was the highlight, and this was years after it was released, was Street Fighter Two, And kids would line up to uh, play that game. Uh, it was one of those first times I saw where kids would put quarters along the bottom of the screen to get next game. And uh, it was the place where I kind of honed my skill in Street Fighter 2 and I got pretty good at it. Uh, but this arcade uh, sticks in my memory, not so much because of the games, but because of its location. Because it was in a basement, it was dark 
and smelly and uh, loud. Uh, a lot of the machines echoed off the walls. And uh, I mean, this place probably had a good 50 or 60 games, but it was loud and what you would really associate with an arcade. Um, I couldn't spend that much time in there. I'd have to take breaks and walk out, walk around the block or something and go back in. Um, but it was the kind of quintessential arcade. Um, even further away, which was only accessible by bus, uh, was a little mall called Birdcage Mall. And there was an arcade there called The Game Room. And I do remember heading out there and going to a mall that was out there and then kind of checking in at, um, at the game room. It was an okay arcade. It was more the type you find in a mall, uh, which kind of rounds out my list here. That's about all that was left. There weren't a ton of arcades around here, um, but there was a mall closer to my house called Arden Mall, and I'd ride my bike there uh, every couple of weekends. And there was there were two arcades in that one. One was called The Hideout, and one was called Aladdin's Castle. And these were always packed when I went. Uh, just a ton of people in each one of these. And the, the machines I remember the most from there were um, the X-Men game. There was like a multiplayer X-Men game. Uh, there was Afterburner. Um, I remember that the that one in Ardmall had some pinball machines in it, which were, was interesting. I, I I never was very good at pinball machines because I just didn't see that many of them around here. Uh, but I do remember that place had quite a few of them. Uh, and then there was another place, another arcade that was on a street called Folsom Boulevard here called the Mineshaft. And I I just found that in my research, and I do remember going to it. I think it had a small like a putt-putt golf kind of place, little mini golf place associated with it. Um, I just don't remember it all that often. But anyway, this this past month's been kind of fun trying to think about all the arcades I went to. I, because they were so far away, I just never went to that many of them. I wish I had. Uh, nowadays, there is only one that I really know of in Sacramento called Coin-Op Downtown. And it's not a free to play like I know a lot of modern arcades are now. Uh, you still have to get quarters. You still have to put them in. Uh, but the nice thing about it is there's a bar in there, so you can grab a beer and play Street Fighter Two all night long, which is pretty much what I did the last time I went there. To went with a buddy of mine, and we just played uh, Street Fighter Two for two or three hours and had a blast. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next month. Jam and Earl. So tell us, Cody, how good is it? <laughs> Just no. Well, stay tuned next week for another one of Cody's big reviews. Good day, everybody, and welcome to Cody's Corner for September here. Um, I wanted to do a little bit of a, a mashup between a little bit of history and a little bit of a talk and tech, I suppose. Um, but basically, back when I was in college, it's kind of really when I had my second wind of video games. 
I had always played games, but I kind of took a break. I played some PC stuff in, in high school and got a little more casual as I did other things in life, you know, like college and studying, things like that. But eventually, the Sega Dreamcast was kind of going under. Uh, they were blowing them out at the local Best Buy for like $50 or something like that. And I did know at this point, you know, being a poor college student, right, that games were easily burnt on the Dreamcast. Uh, they had this format called a GD-ROM, which is essentially a glorified CD-ROM. And, uh, well, hackers figured out how to take the disk reading code and put the, you know, pirate, uh, what do you call it, piracy, piracy protection um, in on a regular CD and kind of compact the rest of the data. So basically, you could just download and burn any game for the Dreamcast. Now, that's not why I particularly wanted to do this, but... Um, what I ended up falling in love with is the fact that I could do all kinds of crazy cool stuff on the Dreamcast uh, with my quote-unquote brand new modern system, right? Um, as it went out of business, or uh, they went under, what, two years into their run, and uh, of course Xbox and PlayStation 2 really picked up and killed it. But I was able to do cool things like burn Linux uh, and, and run Linux on my Dreamcast. Now, I never actually used it to do anything, but I ran it and said, cool, there it is, it's running. Um, all kinds of um, homebrew on the Dreamcast, which has a a tradition still to this day. You can buy new Dreamcast games. Um, But also uh, emulators and things like that. So I used it for emulation. I started uh, learning about all kinds of new games, um, new-to-me games, old games, classic games. And what I really started falling in love with is import games. Now... This was a brand new thing to me at the time. I know other people had done things earlier, but it never dawned on me that there were games um, across the seas, typically Japanese games, that I really wanted to play that I didn't even know about. Um, So when I was able to burn these games and play games on the Dreamcast, I fell in love with them. I remember specifically a game called Gunbird, um, which, of course, we all kind of know now as a uh, Sikio shooter. Um... Fun little vertical shooting shmup game, but I just loved the simplicity of the gameplay, the over-the-top animations and things blowing up all over the place, scores flying all over the place, and I was like, what is this? This is so cool. And I started doing a bunch of research and found out there was a ton of really cool shmups um, that never made it over here, that are on all kinds of different systems, and the... uh, the obsessive compulsive collector in me is like, I must have all these. So I started really with the Dreamcast. But what I noticed is there were some great games on uh, previous systems. NES, uh, Genesis, Super Nintendo, um, all the PlayStation devices. Anyways, I wanted to kind of go over the ways um, we, I was able to play import games back in the day before the the modern EverDrives and things like that. So... I'll just start from the NES here. The Nintendo Entertainment System uh, in America, and I believe in PAL territories, has the full-size cartridges uh, rather than the original Japanese Famicom, which has a smaller, much more compact cartridge. Now, I've heard since that's basically in large part that Nintendo of America wanted it to look like a VCR rather than a video game console. Um, because the video game market just crashed and all the retailers were very hesitant to get into anything that had the the moniker video game attached to it. So 
these huge games really have a very small PCB in them. And they have a 72-pin connector in, in America and, I believe, PAL territories. Whereas the Japanese games, although uh, electronically identical, uh, they are much smaller and only have a 60-pin out. Now, those extra 12 pins do absolutely nothing. They're dummy pins. So, in theory, if you were able to connect the right pins in the right places, the Japanese game would play on a US NES. And you are correct. Um, the first way you can really go ahead and plug a Japanese 60-pin game into your NES um, was if you look at some of the old five-screw NES games, you look on the back of an NES game, they almost all have four screws, but the very early black box games, some of, some of them have five screws. Um, a game that is absolutely uh, the most well-known for doing this is a game called Gyromite. This is the one that has Rob the Robot on the front. And you could play with Rob the Robot. So I'm actually holding my cart right here. And if you look on the back, there's five screws. There's one right in the middle there. Um, if you pick up a Gyromite five screw and a Gyromite with four screws, you'll notice the five screw one is a little bit heavier. And that is because if you open it up, you will see the American 72 pins at the bottom. But then there is a physical black connector on top of that. And then a Japanese 60 pin uh, PCB plugged into it. So there's an adapter built right into this cartridge. So I have one right here just for historical value to look at it and say, hey, cool, that's what that is. Uh, so what you could in theory do is simply unscrew this, pull out this PCB, and you can now use this adapter to plug any Japanese Famicom game into your NES and it will work. Um, you can get it upside down, so make sure you don't get it upside down. And the other issue is this thing is uh, so short and stubby, if you were to do that and pull your game back out, the adapter would be stuck in your NES, and you'd have to get creative on how to get that out of there. So a lot of people would do creative things like uh, attaching uh, you know, a, a sturdy, strong string or um, adding like a pull tape or something so that you can use a tape to pull this whole thing out of there, kind of like the Game Genie has that black uh, pull tab to help you get the Game Genie out of your system. So that was kind of the first uh, thing that you could do to make import games play on your NES, um, but they also released a device called a Honeybee. Now, the Honeybee is exactly what we just said. It is essentially the same adapter, um, although it's kind of dressed up. Um, there's gray ones, but a lot of them are, are gold, like the Zelda cartridge for the Nintendo, and it does have a tab attached to it so you can pull it back out. A simple, stupid, straightforward adapter. Moving on, we have the Sega Genesis. There are um, a number of great import titles and titles that are less expensive in their Japanese variant. You know, and they might be at two, three hundred dollars over here, but if you get the Japanese game, it's ten, twelve bucks. And uh, for most of these action games, you don't have to read the uh, the English on there. You can read, you can ignore the uh, quote unquote story and get straight to the shmup, right? So the Genesis is. Uh, the carts on the Genesis are a little slimmer. Uh, if you look at the Japanese one, they kind of have bulges on the sides, on the shoulders. And that's a physical lockout. You physically can't push the cart into the Genesis. Now, if you wanted to get crazy and pull out some snips or a Dremel and just tear up your Genesis, you could just make it fit. But what most people would do at this point is use a uh, Game Genie. Because the Game Genie will fit down in there, and then you still have all the pins at the top. You can plug in a game on the top. So you'd put your Japanese game into a Game Genie, plug that into your Genesis, 
um, bypass the game genie. Basically, don't put any codes in it, and you are playing your import uh, game on your Genesis. Now, one caveat, I did run into this, and I don't think very many people do, because I don't think very many people have one of these. But at that time, I had recently picked up a Majesco uh, Genesis 3. So there's the Model 1, the Model 2, and then uh, not a ton out there, but Majesco, not Sega, uh, owned the licenses to the Genesis uh, systems at this point and released the Genesis 3, which is very small. It's not much bigger than the Genesis cartridge, um, but it is a Sega Genesis. Um, However, the board was highly reduced in size, and all the you know lights and outputs and everything were minimized. You pretty much just had your um, your your RCA out, and uh, your instead of a light, you have a power switch with a little red tape underneath, kind of like the Turbo Graphics. Um, but because of this cost-reduced version, it, it's missing a lot of things inside. You can't play games like a Virtua. I want to say Virtua Fighter or Virtual Racing. Um, it doesn't have any way to use those extra chips. It also cannot use any peripherals like the 32X or the uh, whatever the Game Gear adapter, power-based adapter. But it also won't let you use a Game Genie. So you cannot play imports on this model unless, of course, you tear up the case. Now, I did find out that there is a, a mod you can do where you you know, open the, uh, the console up and you simply use one wire to connect two points on the motherboard and that somehow will allow you to use some games like uh, Virtua Racing or potentially the Game Genie as well. However, I have not confirmed this, um, but just go get a decent game or a decent Genesis anyways. That would be my advice. Moving on, we have the Super Nintendo. Now, the Super Nintendo is a very easy one to do, and that is simply by taking the cover off. This is another physical lockout. Um, if you take the cover off and flip it over, inside there are they're not really tabs, but people call them tabs, but they're two little pieces of plastic that stick out. And a Genesis, if you look at the cartridge, has two little notches at the bottom. Um, whereas the Famicom games, Super Famicom games, do not. So if you get a Dremel, you can simply grind out these two little tabs, quote-unquote, in the Super Nintendo and put the lid back on. Now, the reason this one doesn't bother me, whereas the other ones do, is that from the outside you can't notice any difference. The Super Nintendo looks completely stuck. Um, I'm actually going to look at mine right now. So, yeah, if you look down in there, however, you will see that my tabs have been removed, but, you know, you physically have to push the uh, slot down and look in there and look for it in the kind of in the shadows in the corner. Um... So this is a very simple one to do, and this is a great one to do because Super Nintendo games cost a ton, and I wanted to own them and play them. So I actually have, I believe, seven Mega Man games on my uh, Super Nintendo that are actually Famicom games because, like, Mega Man X3 and X2 are, like, hundreds of dollars each, and I own the $10 Japanese version. Moving on, how about the Nintendo 64? Well, that one's easy. There's... uh, no protection whatsoever. Plug it in and go. Game Boy, same thing. You're good to go. The PlayStations were interesting. Um, this is one of the systems where people were trying to do the swap trick. I'm sure you've heard of it. And uh, they tried to do this for, for burnt games, but that's also how you would do it for import games. And I never did burn games. 
uh, for these systems back in the day, but I definitely did import games. There are a ton of games worth importing on the PlayStation consoles, and this is probably one of my primary import machines. Um, and you had to have different versions for each for each if it was a PlayStation One or a PlayStation Two or a PlayStation Two Slim. Um, but the essentially essentially what you had to do was lock down the mechanism that tells the PlayStation that the tray is open. Either if it's a top-mounted or the PlayStation 2 fat style, it slides out, kind of like a computer. And you had to trick it into thinking that was not open. Now, the swap trick, of course, is where you had a game in there, you let it read until so it spins up and slows down, and then that like fraction of a second when it slows down, you're supposed to pop the top off while leaving that internal button depressed with either a piece of tape or a, a pencil or whatever and then you pull out the disc and shove a new disc on the import game on before it spins back up and then if you're lucky one out of five chances it'll work it's terrible on the motor it's terrible on the system really not a good idea however what i did and uh i've got it right here when i was a kid the one i have in my hand right now is for the i believe the playstation 2 it's called the magic 3 plus and these were kits you'd get that have CDs, but then they also had um, a tool depending on what model you were doing. Now, essentially, uh, my PlayStation 2 Slim is the most interesting. Actually, it came with a completely new top. So I actually took apart my case, took off the old top, put this new whole plastic new top on it, and now it made my uh, PlayStation Slim a top-loading machine where the button never got depressed. So I could load a load this boot disk, the Magic 3 here. It would specifically, the program on it, would specifically have the console trick to say, okay, this is a US game, we're good to go, and then it would stop spinning, and it wouldn't spin back up. You'd open the top of the uh, new tray, now, which is now a pop-top, which doesn't set off the, the trigger. Put in your import game, close it, hit a button, and it would play your import game. And I played a ton of shmups and stuff on this. Um, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I have the Gigwing Generations up there, which is a very cool game. Um, so many good games that were coming to the PlayStation 2 import-wise at this point in time. Uh, and the same thing kind of went for the PlayStations. They had a little... Their, that version for the standard PlayStation had a little... I remember, if I remember right, it was a red piece of hat plastic, a little, like, hook that you would put in there to hold the button down. Um... Kind of goofy, but that's how we did it, and that's why we played import games. The Sega Saturn had a very simple solution, and it was a, a solution that I still use to this day. And it is quite simply the 4-in-1 cart. I'm actually going over there to look at it right now, but there is a 4-in-1 action replay cart. And I guess you can use any action replay cart, but action replay is kind of like another uh, Game Genie-type device. And it does all kinds of cool things, but the main thing it does for imports is it bypasses the region locking. So as long as you have that in the cartridge port of your Saturn, you can put any uh, import Saturn game in there. Now, the Saturn game imports, uh, I mean, the Saturn, if you're just buying a Saturn for the American Library, it's not the best machine in the world. I'm not a huge fan of it. But if you throw in the import titles that are available, it becomes one of my favorite consoles, period. Uh, so much good stuff. And... Uh, very simple, you know, software mod, basically. Uh, I'm going to stop right there because at that point is when I really stopped doing that. And um, at this point, I've got EverDrive for everything. But 
just kind of a cool look into the past and how we did stuff uh, before EverDrives and before SD card solutions. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to get back over here to start modding my uh, GameCube so I can do the same thing there. So, hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you guys soon. back to six good games the segment where we find six games that are good and talk about them that's right and <laughs> that's the segment with, with a common theme this theme was sequels sequels that means it can't be the first of something it must be the second third fourth fifth sixth seventh etc correct and that is all the guidelines we had did Dustin have you? You didn't do this, did you? I was not given this assignment. You could probably throw some down real quick. I yeah, bet. I bet you could. While we talk, I bet you could think because we're going to go through these uh, speedy su- time. Super Metroid. <laughs> Super Metroid was a sequel. There we go. That's fair. <laughs> so you got one. Doom. Super All right. Yes. Eric, you got next one. Go. Okay. So I picked this one uh, because of my history with it. Bomberman Two. Much better game than the original. On the NES. A better game than the original. This one was on the Super Nintendo, and it was a multi-tap game. Okay. And it was one of the first games that I played with. I would use the multi-tap to its maximum fun. So I did... Maximum fun. Maximum fun. We all fun out of it. We would always have four players playing Bomberman 2... And it was a blast. And it, 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 what is Bomberman? So through the uninformed, the uninitiated. Bomberman is a game where there is a maze, and you are a bomber man, and you are a different color bomber man. <sighs> see what they did there. And uh, you go around and you pick up power ups, which will give you basically the the key thing is you drop a bomb behind you as you're it's running. Like a top the down, correct strategy action game yep you, you drop it kind bomb. of on a grid yep and you try to drop a bomb behind you and the, your goal is to eliminate all the other enemies in that same maze when the bombs blow up they kind of follow down that direct path in a cross pattern on the grid correct so sometimes they explode and and you can get these power-ups that increase the the fire that the bomb creates you kind of have to see it it's hard to explain um so i'm gonna correct you on something yeah live that, to air I typed in Bomberman 2, and sure enough, the NES game, Bomberman 2, popped up, and the yep. Super NES game, Super Bomberman 2, popped up. Okay, so that's the one I meant. So you, Super so you Bomberman want Super Bomberman 2. Gotcha. That's gotcha. the one I want. Now, I've yeah. played Bomberman 2. I've not played the Super Nintendo version of it. It looks like it's very much the same game. Super Bomberman 2 is is awesome. There is a single-player mode to it, but I honestly don't remember much about that because I just played the multiplayer. Multiplayer Bomberman is great. In it, fact, you introduced me to Bomberman on the Turbo Graphics, which had a really cool story Bomberman mode. Bomberman 93, yeah. Yeah, which I actually enjoyed because I don't always have more than one person that wants to play Bomberman, That's including right. myself. Yep. <laughs> I th- This game, like, there was an era of my life where I had, like, a bunch of friends. I don't now, but I had a bunch of friends, and we would get together, and we would play Super Bomberman 2 with the multi-tap with four players, and it was the ultimate party game. So there are power-ups to increase the length of the explosions of the bombs. There are ones where you can kick a bomb across the screen. Or drop multiple bombs at a time. Drop multiple bombs, throw a bomb off one side of the screen, and it shows up on the other side. Run faster? Uh, there is one faster, and there's also run slower, which are like viruses, that they call them in the game. Um, just... The game was made to be played multiplayer. It's such a fun it's game. It's funny because the long player we're watching, of course, is not multiplayer. This is single player, yeah. Yeah. But it actually looks great. The single player looks good. Yep. 
This, this is probably my favorite game on the Super Nintendo. I love this game. Now, that being said, the truth about Bomberman, at least for me, I think most people, is you are your own worst enemy, and yes. you usually end up killing yourself. Yep. And uh, when I... <laughs> So I've gotten every member of my family to play this at one point or another, and they will always invariably kill themselves. Uh, I don't even have to worry but about it. But not you, Eric. Nope. I'm the master of Bomberman. We need to play some multiplayer Bomberman. I would love to. There, um, you, there, I do have it on my um, PlayStation 3. I've got, they had a version that come out. There was an excellent version on the Xbox 360 as well. Which probably probably the one I'm talking about. I bet it's the same one, yeah. yeah. Yep. Have you ever played Bo- Bomberman? Yeah. It's have you? hectic and... <laughs> Do you remember the version you played? I don't know. Did you ever have the multi-tap for your Super Nintendo? Because we talked about that on last yeah, episode. Yeah, I, I think I played um, Secret of Mana Yeah, with uh, three players. Yeah, oh, yeah. you and I were going to play that because I've still never played it. And I was going to play it a while ago and I decided no because Dustin said he would play it with me. Yeah, it's a good game. I want to try it multiplayer. I really can you do. play three-player on the that new collection of Mana for the Switch? I would assume. Yeah, I bet you can. Yeah, that would be a neat, pl- neat yeah. way to play it. The Switch Online, maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Nah. Who knows? <laughs> Mr. Positive over there. <laughs> well, that's his nickname. All right, go, Cody. I'm going to go with House of the Dead 2. I don't know anything about this. Really? So tell me about it. House of the Dead? I never played House of the Dead. It's a shooter on rails, right? Uh, yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's a light gun shooter. Light gun shooter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the original House of the Dead did, I think it, they did have a version of it on Saturn, but they're arcade games with, you know, light guns. And um, sure enough, they came out with a version on the Dreamcast, where if you had the Dreamcast gun, you could play the game in the, with the Dreamcast gun. But um, my roommate and I at the time had a, had the Dreamcast, and I had um, uh, no gun, so we played with just the reticles and moving the D-pad around and moving the little reticle across the screen. And the game is over-the-top ridiculous. It's a blast. Um, so the first House of the Dead was really like rudimentary. 3D graphics. Okay. It's one of the kind of really new games that doesn't look a whole lot better than the um, um, I Want My MTV video by, uh, with, with, I'm totally forgetting the name right now. Money for Nothing? Yeah, Money for Nothing video by... Uh, cheap... Gosh, it's Salt and a Swing. Was it Cheap No, trick? it's not Cheap Dick. Uh, dire Straits. Dire Straits, that's right, that's right. Uh, so anyways, it looks kind of like, yeah, like that, like Alone in the Dark, like this really cheesy, uh, really bad aliasing. Yeah. Um... But then the second one came out, and the graphics got a lot better, a lot more smooth, and the gameplay is, um, you know, fast and frantic, and you're shooting, uh, obviously, zombies and stuff that are attacking you, and there's um, people that you're trying to save, you know, you turn around just in time to see a woman, like, you know, what do you call this, trying to get away from a a zombie as they, uh, like, get her up against the wall, and they're about to kill her and bite her neck, and you're supposed to shoot them. And if you shoot the zombie, you save her, and she gives you a power-up. And if not, you shoot, he kills the her. Or if you shoot her, you lose points, that kind of a thing. But the beauty of the game is the fact that translation was atrocious. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and it was great because it wasn't so atrocious that it was just, like, comically bad writing. It was more like, okay, that's technically English, but they had voiceovers. We were like, what do you mean by that? Um, like question marks where there shouldn't be question marks. Yeah. And um, like there's one part where this girl's running. It happens in the first level. She's running away from a zombie across from you, and you're supposed to try to shoot the zombie you know, that's trailing her without shooting her. And it's going, Rawr! and she just goes, don't come, don't come. I'm like, don't, like, don't, like, get away from me? Like, what do you mean don't? 
Like, yeah. I just... It's, are you it's, talking it's, to me? Are you talking yeah. to a zombie? Yeah, it's just everything's you? super awkward. Not good. And, um, we, should, we should have a segment one day where we talk oh about bad gosh. translations. Oh, it's so, it, it's so good. Um, you know, a, a guy is dying and bleeding, and he has nothing left to live for, and he just says something like, here, take this key. It's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> um, awesome. uh, it's a great game, though, and uh, all kinds of enemies, and you go into all kinds of places. There's uh, branching paths. Yeah. Uh, you'll get to a point where if you shoot the door over here, you'll go through the church instead of going around the alleyway. Or, um, I, I, I love the game. I love like in games, period. Yeah. And um, I still have my CRT, so I can still play them. That's right. Well, with the Wii, I was surprised because I bought the Wii. Uh, gun where you slip the Wii Wiimote into the gun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there you go. And, uh, it, I loved how that game worked. And I, I remember introducing light gun games to my son and his eyes just lit up. Like he didn't know that was even a thing. Yeah. How is that even possible? Right. Yeah. And he, we, we played the game. I don't even remember what it was. Operation something on the Wii. I, I can't remember what it was, but we had a blast with it. All right. So what I'm grabbing right now. Is my Wii copy of House of the Dead 2 and 3. 2 and 3, nice. So they combine them. Yeah. Um, 3 is also really good, but it's actually super, like, polished. Yeah. So it's not as funny. But in 3, they totally turned up the um, the B-movie aspect of it. And this, of course, works with the That's gun. a street sweeper going behind us, by the way, if you can hear that in the I background. Hear, yeah. So I want to welcome the street sweeper to the show. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot more refined, and uh, they kind of lay on the schlock, and they kind of yeah. know. Whereas the first one, you're like, they weren't, it didn't seem like they were aware of it, even if they were. So it's just got a really cool niche thing going on there. But love that game. I did still need. To, they have like two other House of the Dead that came after these now. Yeah, House of the Dead Over, Overkill, which is supposed to be amazing on the Wii, and then they, I think, more recently, like two years ago, came out with House of the Dead Five. But sweet, like on games. All right. What's next from... Oh, we're on to Dustin again. Yeah. Oh, uh, Sequel. Um, on the spot. Can I think of one? Half-Life 2. Oh, that's a good oh, yeah. Good choice. Half good Life choice. Half-Life 2 is a great... I actually still haven't played it yet. I actually did just... Uh, I think it got the orange box on Steam. Mm-hmm. When it like, went on super sale for like a few bucks. But I yeah. still haven't played it. I love the original Half-Life. I don't know why I never got around to playing the second one. 2 is great. I don't think I played the second Better one Better than the original? Yeah, I think so. The, the physics based puzzles and the I love Portal Two more than Portal One. I'll tell you oh, that. Yeah. The Portal Two is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, Half Life is. Uh, we talk. We actually talk about Half Life a lot in the show because it did the whole thing where it doesn't stop to tell the story. Yeah. Right. Which I loved. Yeah, I as you know, if you've listened to our show, I I can't stand cutscenes. I can't stand when uh, like it, takes it, you it, out it of breaks it, up yeah. the game. So yeah, Half Life was definitely one of the first ones that didn't do that. Eric, your second pick. My second pick is a pretty easy one. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Great choice. The first game I went back to after playing the other ones? Yep. Mm-mm. No. Nope. And I, <laughs> I, in my memory of playing on the PlayStation, I can't, and I put PS2. That's wrong. It's PS1. I, that's what I yeah, wrote in my notes. PS1 and Nintendo 64, actually. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. My um, wife and I played the... Tony Hawk one on play on Nintendo sixty four a ton. Yeah, my wife actually got into a video game that wasn't like a a cheesy simple Mario game. She like got really into Pro Skater. Yeah, which was the weirdest thing. Yeah, I cannot replicate that. Um, yeah, but it's funny because her big thing was you know you'd start a run and screw up once, and she'd say start restart, 
and you quickly hit start and hit restart. And yeah. To the point where, like, anytime, even if you're doing a good run, you would accidentally do that and go, crap, I actually had a really good run going there. Why did I yeah. do that? The levels in pro in, in the Pro Skater 2 are just burned in my memory. Like, oh, I... Yeah. I can just walk through in my memory of then... the schoolyard, the hangar yep. with the plane. That game is just etched my memory. And, I, and it was another good uh, game. Not that it was multiplayer fun, although that was fun. But you could just um, try to do tricks with a friend. Like, we, we would do the free skate where we weren't actually playing the game. We were just free skating. You weren't trying to unlock anything. You were just And just try to, do, try to do crazy combos. And then we'd hand the joystick to a friend and he would try to do the same combo. Like okay. we would say, hey, do this bench where right. you jump from the bench to the to the planter to right whatever this rail, and then yeah, yeah, and then we would see who could Nothing do the best combo net. with huge scores. And it, it, that game, just the sandbox element of that with a friend, was just the most amazing experience, like of a video game of a skating game. And I played a ton of skating games. I mean, over the year seven twenty and. Um, there was like summer games on the Commodore 64 where there was a little skateboard ramp, but I could never figure that out. Oh, we in skate I or die, I should say. I never actually played summer games, but yeah, played, skate or die. I played uh, winter games. Yeah, on the Commodore 64. That yeah, epics. Epics was a fantastic. I don't think we had the manual for it. You just had to kind of yep. figure it out. Like, what am I supposed to do here? And I push up, <laughs> left, right, down. Yeah. Sorry, that's my pick. So. Cody, back to you. Back to me. That's a good pick. And actually, we've got more in Mississippi mud here, so I'm going to keep on indulging. Please do. Um, for some reason, it feels right being kind of lukewarm now. It's yeah. Just, it feels appropriate for Mississippi mud. Sure. My second one was one I wanted to play another game for the podcast. Okay. And I talked about this, I think, last episode. Mm-hmm. I love the game Rescue Rangers on the NES. It is just a super fun... If someone actually, honestly, if someone were to say, like, how do you want a game to feel? like a platformer to feel. I would say Rescue Rangers. It's like super precise. Um, there's no like floatiness. Even Mario, like, you know, you go and you try to turn, you have to kind of wait for him to turn around. Like this is just dead on. Like what you press is what you get. Yeah. Dead on, super tight controls. It's not a hard game. The, the original one you can burn through really easily. Uh, so I decided to, uh, you know, after beating that multiple times, I'll still go back once a year and play it and beat it. Um, it's a sequel to that, which is Rescue Rangers 2. I, and, I, I haven't played any of the Rescue Rangers yet. And I never, got, you know, even though I know it, it goes for a ton of money. It's like a $400 game. Oh. Like, if you have a physical cart. Like, the first one's like five bucks. They're everywhere. Second one's rare. Um, but same gameplay in there. Um, you can be either of the two, you know, Chip or Dale. However, this time uh, you have, what's her name? Uh, Gizmo? Gadget. The, Gadget. Is it Gadget? Gadget. I think, I think that's right. And then Monterey Jack, the kind of big uh, rat dude. And then, of course, you got Zipper, the little, like, green fly. So they're kind of helping you out, and they'll pop up every once in a while. And if you, like, do a, a stage quick enough, they'll pop out and give you, like, health or something just to make it different. But the gameplay is very much the same. It's primarily picking up crates and boxes and throwing them at enemies, and it's a bunch of platforming. And they get really creative. Like, you start out in this kitchen, so you're running over plates and stuff and picking up boxes and chucking them at enemies while jumping over cups and turning on water and... um this one, however, like the previous game, you actually got an overworld map, and you can kind of, there's some alternating paths. This one's very linear. Hmm. Actually, about halfway through the game, it kind of became like Mega Man, where you hit a point where it's like, we need to go to these three places and th- find three keys, yeah. so you can do those three in any order, but you still have to do all three of them. Um, and I got, you know, on my first playthrough, I got all the way to the last, like, the past the last level to, the, like, the boss level, but didn't quite get to the boss, so I'm going to play it again. It's, you know, 
on my first playthrough to get basically to the last level of the game. You know, it's not terribly hard. Yeah. But there's definitely some things you got to learn. The previous game, all the bosses, you have this red ball that was on the ground. You had to grab it and basically find the, the weakness in the boss and throw the ball at the boss at the right time. Whereas this one's a little more creative. Um, there's like a level where water is pouring into the, I think, the kitchen, if I remember correctly. And uh, a bunch of platforms, the enemies jumping back and forth on platforms. You had to wait for boxes to fall down the water and figure out which way they were going to go, depending on where it fell in the water. Yeah. Pick up that box and throw it at the boss while it's trying to attack you. So, so if someone was just starting their rescue ranger career, would they start with one? Would you start with one either, or two? Either. Really? Either. Okay. I mean, I always started with one, but realistically either. One's a little easier if you want to beat a game real quick. I think the reason I did as well on two is because it was just like one. So for me, like But it was a, a little year, harder. They're both they're both easy. So I could beat number one in a year. Maybe number You could two, beat number one. <laughs> if you played it twice in a row, you'd beat it the second time. Okay. Well, give it a try. Using continues. Um, great game. Cool. Yep. We're back to Dustin. Dustin, you got another one? Third. Uh, Come on. Quake 2. Quake 2 is a good one. That's not a bad game. I remember playing Quake 2. I Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I remember playing Quake. <clears throat> I couldn't tell you what Quake two, how Quake 2 was different, honestly. I, I mean, my memory's fuzzy, but I Quake... do remember playing LAN Quake 2, and it yeah. was awesome. Yeah. We, we played a lot of mods for Quake. Yeah. I remember Quake 3 was like an arena tournament game only, right? Quake 2 was like the um, the cusp of uh, like color lighting and 3D graphics acceleration in the, the PC gaming. Nerd alert! Yeah. <laughs> we are running Pot out of steam kettle. here. Pot in the kettle. Running out of steam. Um, so my last game is Ultima 4, the game that almost made me fail my sophomore year in mm-hmm. high school. Um, Ultima 4. I think you've talked about this three different times in the show at this yeah. point. Just anywhere you can shove it. Absolutely. Um, it came with feelies. It, it came with a bunch of feelies. The map and the, the onk, I guess you pronounce it. The little thing that looks like a cross, kind of. Yeah. Um, but the game, more appropriately to this segment, is it, it is a sequel Ultima 1, 2, and 3 did well, but they were just kind of the basic RPG elements. This one added the, you were an avatar, and you had to basically talk, the whole game was about virtues. And you had to go through the game doing these things with the virtues, and that was the only way to beat the game. But I I literally would fake like I was sick so I could stay home to play this game. Love that story. I've never done that. Oh, man, I did it so much for that game, which, you know, I look back and it was kind of stupid, but it was pretty awesome memories. And I would go over a friend's house, too, and he would be playing it, and I'd go there, and then he would go to school, and I'd play on his computer and play it while he was at school. And then he'd cut and come home, and I, I'd go back to school. It was just it was a crazy time, but it was that big of a game. I considered putting a Heroes of Might and Magic 3 on here, but I think oh, I yeah. might have talked about it before, but that's like my... It might be my favorite game of all time, honestly. Really? But. That's, That's a, a good one, one too. Yeah. That's not what I picked, though. No. What I picked was... Yep. Mindstorm. But it's not a sequel. It is. It is. Wait for it. Yep. You know where I'm going with this? I do. Okay. Yep. So on the Vectrix, if you don't plug a game in, you play Mindstorm. Yep. Um, And it's like an... Uh, I guess people want to call it an Asteroids clone, which I guess it is, but... In a way, yeah. I like it better than yeah. Asteroids. Sure. Asteroids, you've got... Obviously, asteroids flying all over the place. You shoot them. They break into smaller bits. You shoot them. 
this game, everything is an enemy that has its own pattern. A lot of them are trying to get you directly. Yeah. Um, a little more challenging. Um, and the levels are much more differentiated. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, like I said, different enemies and things. You still got ships that will cross the, you know, spaceships that will bounce across. And you can get extra points for shooting those. But um, this is on the Vectrex, which is the system with its own screen built in. Vector-based screen. And it's just gorgeous. It's a, a great and system. And it's probably the best game on the system most most people think it is i i agree yeah i could play that thing all day super smooth controls i love that controller but the built-in one the built-in one well this is funny because i don't know who figured this out because what level can you get to on that game i don't remember but i i, I mean i know the history of that of the it's, built-in game yeah it's got a flaw it's deeply flawed it's, well i deeply yes Deep as in, I can't get to the part where it's flawed. Right, me either. Um, I think my best game, I got to level 5. Okay. Maybe 6? Uh, but apparently, if you get to level 13, the game bugs out and freezes. Mm-hmm. So, rather than say, here's a way to fix it, rather than allowing you to download an update. Which you can't do, yeah. <laughs> um, if you got to that point and complained, I don't think this was publicly announced, but if you got to that point and complained about it to... Uh, Milton Bradley or Vectrix or CGE, I guess it was called. GCE. GCE. Yep. Uh, they would send you a cart called Mind uh, Mindstorm 2. Yeah. Which is the exact same game, but without the bug. And now you can go yeah. all the way to like level 26 or something. Very few of these carts are out there and they're worth a lot of money. Yeah. Did you ever play the Vectrix? No. Still, have you, you have it to this day? Mm-mm. You it's know what a- it looks like? I think so. I think you had it at your party, right? Yeah, I had it out. Were we, did we play something on it? You did have it out. No, but I don't. I don't remember what you played. But we did have it out. I had it or out. You had it out. I have scramble on there. Maybe, maybe that was it. I got scramble on there. Scramble's great on that, but not a sequel. Not a sequel. Although we could have gone with the scramble sequel. What was Tiger Cobra? Some Cobra. Yeah. Twin Cobra. That was the yeah, sequel to Scramble. Right. Yeah. But we did not. That's it. There's uh, six good, nine good games. Nine good games. <laughs> nine good games that are sequels. Um, and that's the show. That's the show. Gentlemen, I want to thank uh, Tim Drew for joining us on our, our team here and uh, his segment last week. I want to thank uh, Dustin for hanging out with us for the whole yeah, month. Thanks for having me. Both recording last. sessions. I saw you yawn a couple times. It's uh, We didn't get our gifts, did 25 we? 25 years. Oh, yeah. I want gifts, Dustin. <laughs> Dustin like, brought gifts. I don't know what so, this is. I, I, I really have I no idea. Eric is going to appreciate this as much as Cody. <laughs> I appreciate any gifts. Um, but Apple gives us a lot of... Uh, hey, there you oh, go. Hey. <laughs> so we get, a, we get to fight and figure out which one, we, which color works for us. Which what? color do you feel? Well, I'm going to give you first know. choice there, Eric. We are, cool. I'm holding two uh, ball caps. They're both snapbacks. Yep. With a, uh, a, a logo from a certain fruit-based That's company. That's really neat. I like it. it looks, I'll let you pick which... which it looks like you... a, like an odd-shaped orange <laughs> with odd a shape. bite taken out of it. Those are both really cool. It's an Apple logo. We're just yeah. going to say it now. You pick whichever one you want. I don't have one this color, so I'm going to go with this one. How about right that? On. You have the big old Apple, bigger Apple logo there. So, If you guys didn't listen, listen to the last episode, Dustin works for a company... That That's how we didn't say it in this episode. We didn't. A small fruit. A small fruit themed company with a bite company. taken out of the apple. I mean the fruit. That's really cool, man. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Very cool. I like it. Although we have to be. Is it actually? I think this isn't even cool anymore to like not bend the the bill. 
Well, you took the sticker off, so you immediately made it less cool. That is right. true. <laughs> Hold on, I need to put that back on. In fact, there's only one sticker on here, so how cool is that? I have no stickers. To the side. And my bill is already bent, so which is the way I would do it anyway. That's, so. Yeah, that's the style. Appreciate it. That's an Apple II cap. That's what that that's is. That's really cool, man. Thank you. Welcome. Is that the logo before the color? That's the current logo. <laughs> I want the one with a... Was it Ben? Was it Ben Franklin? Who did you say was on the other one? Isaac. Isaac. Isaac I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. It makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> apple falling on the head. Yeah. I'm gonna make a company called Kite. <laughs> it's got Ben Franklin on it. All right, guys. Well, that is the next, the last episode. Well, I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. That is the episode for September, the second episode of Pixel Guide. In we want to thank you guys again for hanging out with us. Um, please tell your friends. Go ahead and rate us on your pod- podcast aggregator of choice. Um, what else do we say at this point, Eric? I think that's it. We're going to wrap Drink it up. Drink lots of beer, play lots of games, enjoy yourself. Um, we'll come back. Do you have any, anything you're looking forward to, Eric? I'm looking forward to October. I love Halloween. So maybe we should make one of our things for next month, Halloween. I, I, told, I think I told you last time that people who are like really into Halloween weird me out. Do they really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they Why slash you do. I, I like Halloween. I think it's fun. Specifically, people who like Halloween more than Christmas. They're wrong. They're completely wrong. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say I like Halloween more than Christmas, <laughs> but I do like Halloween. I think it's fun. What are you looking forward to, Dustin? Uh, I'm looking forward to going home and sleeping. <laughs> He's wiped out. Too honest. Too honest, Dustin. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to modding my 7800, which I'm still trying to get to. I want to get my Coco 2 working with games. I want to get my plus four working with games. That's what I'm looking forward to. Perfect. Um, and I'm looking forward to the patch for Bloodstained on my Switch. Yeah. As well. All right. And the Evercade and the Amico and the ZX Spectrum Next. All these things. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, guys. We'll be back uh, next month. So we're going to hear again what our, our boy across the pond, Tim Drew, has to say. Uh, we are going to do six good games. I think we're going to do import games now. Yeah. We need to define that real quick import can mean different things to different people right we're in america i'm going to define it as a console based game that you would have to import from another country to play it here can i can can we do uh english patched ones yeah well yeah so so patched import games is legit okay because i already have one of mine i one of the few ones. I already have mine picked out. I'm good to go. <laughs> I have one out of three. And we're going to do at least one more of these Battle of the Systems, as we mentioned. Um, they all happen to be Genesis and Super Nintendo games, for whatever reason, where the games are completely different. Yep. So we might change the format, because I want to get off of those systems for a while and try something else. Uh, but for next month, we'll be doing Tasmania on the Genesis and Super Nintendo. And then we'll figure out what the uh, next segment will be called, because it won't be a straight-up battle with same name, different game. Sounds good. We'll see. All right. All right, guys. Well, that's it. Remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Wow. Really? I'll try that again. It's dangerous dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.